I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Luke Owen, DAD here from WrestleTalk Podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, what you're about to hear is a little update from Ollie and I about WrestleTalk Extra, which is a Patreon show that we do. So... I'll just leave that there and you can just hear that next bit. And then after that, you're going to hear what you will actually get if you sign up for Patreon at patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk, which is these big deep dive pay-per-view reviews that we do. So enjoy. We're recording. Ba. Ba, 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 ba. Yep. Eo. So that's Freddie Mercury, right? It is. That's yes. not, because when I, people were doing that. Hi, everybody, by the way. I'm Ollie Davis. I'm joined by Luke Owen. Oh, it's a little behind the scenes Patreon catch up. A little bit, yeah. 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 Yeah, so whenever. I was thinking I might trim the start of this off and you would just go, you're like, I'll, I'll get ready to start now. Hello and welcome. But you just you just carried on. This is intimate. It's behind the scenes stuff. That's what the folks want, right? Yeah. I don't know what do the polls say. Uh, the well, back to AO. I thought everyone was just singing the start of "They're Like a Man They Wanna Go Home." Eh. Yeah. He's a day. He's a day. He's a day. <laughs> I didn't know it was a Freddie Mercury thing until honestly about three weeks ago. What? Yeah, I know. Obviously, I know that clip. I, I just didn't connect the two in my head. I just assumed it was Dale <laughs> from whenever the Beetlejuice movie. Well, I whenever I hear that song, what I hear is, do you remember when Adam and Joe did their version of it? Adam and Joe, a couple of twats with a TV show. <laughs> That's what I hear whenever I, I yeah. hear, think of that song. Well, yeah, so we're here today to talk to you fine Patreon folk about, just like, you know, you know it's a new year. New year, new it's us. New, new year, new me. Um, no, it's a new us. New us. Yeah. It's not just you. We're no. all we're all growing. We're all improving. Revamped us. Yeah. Brit, we're going to make Wrestle Talk great again. <laughs> well, let's not go oh, down. I'm going to get hats. No, let's, let's not go down <laughs> I'm going to get hats made. <laughs> I think that might go against... Uh, the the good work that you are currently doing. What? Just just a simple slogan that I want to make Wrestle Talk great again. Just on a simple red hat. No one, no one. It's a Wrestle Talk colour. <laughs> I don't think it's being used anywhere else that could be considered divisive. Is it still being used? Like, I mean, obviously it was, you know, seven mm. years ago. But is that like, is it still a thing now? Do they, is is the hat still a big thing? Maybe it's make Wrestle Talk great again, mm-hmm. and that's you know that you do the sequel. 
But well, yeah, but that was already the thing, wasn't it? It was already again. Oh, you just do again, again. Oh, you do again and again. Going to make Wrestle Talk great again, again, again. <laughs> and part of that is, yeah, we're just going to experiment a little bit with some things on Patreon here and some things, you know, across the other. We've got some new fun parts, fun known ideas that we want to do. Yeah, you've, you'll have noticed that we have scaled back some of the podcasts that we were doing, like the mailbag and behind the scenes. And one of the reasons before that was like, well, this doesn't feel like Patreon like content. You know what I mean? Like this and, is just And most people weren't listening to it. <laughs> Which I think is reflected in the fact that, you know, if you're if you're paying to support us on Patreon, which we're you know very, very thankful Thank for, you. you should be rewarded for that as opposed to just getting bonus content. Mm. You should be getting like really great content, which is why we wanted to do Survival Series Thunderdome edition. It's a way for us to be able to work with people that we worked with back during the pandemic era that we can't do stuff with now that we film everything in person. Because everyone misses the Thunderdome. Well, they don't yeah. say it. They pretend like that was a bad time, but there's a bit of affection for those Thunderdome shows. I mean, we were talking about it in the office today because the uh, the bit of news today was uh, Retribution mm. were going to be canned by Fox until as they turned them into a, like a cartoony nonsense group. But that's the group that we love. <laughs> that's the best version of the group. When they unveiled their names. Yeah. An all-time great WrestleTalk podcast episode. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Why wasn't I on that episode? Because it's you and Pete. Yeah, you were on holiday. Was that? Well, not holiday or holiday, but you're taking a week off. I just had a mental breakdown. I, was I think. <laughs> rocking, in, <laughs> rocking in a dark room. Was it when you, you went up to write for a week? Oh. Because I drove to your flat to pick up all of the news gear. Because oh, I re- yeah. I did the raw review when they unveiled themselves. Because sure. our editor thought it was really funny that I was there making fun of retribution names while I was dressed as Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "I mean, he goes, I mean, to be honest, you look like you're a member of DOA with with their stupid names like Eight Ball and mm. Skull, and you're making fun of these people with silly names." You were dressed as lukewarm Luke Owen. I'd that. have you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe that was it, because I think I'd, I'd hosted every video for about four months. You certainly had. Six so days I, a week. Yeah, so I had a, had a week off. Yeah. There was nothing else to do, though. Well, no, I mean, you weren't going anywhere. You weren't going on holiday or It was the like first that. time we saw each other. It was we so did. emotional. Yeah. Yeah. We took a little photo together, yeah. you know, distanced, of course. <laughs> but yeah, like, that was... It's a bit, I look back on some of those Thunderdome era times, actually, with a little, like, huh. Do you remember, like, you know, Alexa Bliss... Magic in the ring. You know, they, they had to try things. It was a crazy time. God damn, I never want it to happen again. <laughs> but wow, but what a time that yeah. it actually happened. Feels like a fever dream. We'll probably never have to re-review any of those shows again either. Mm. Well, until we do our Thunderdome series. <laughs> <laughs> so should we talk about Rest Talk yes. Extra? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's kind of our big update for Patreon outside of uh, Survival Series, which uh, thank you everyone who's checked that out as well. Like I think people have been really enjoying this uh, this, this new version of that we're doing over on Patreon. But Rest Talk Extra is kind of the flagship Patreon show. It's the OG. It's the show that you and I have been doing since Oct- uh, September 2017 was That's our first mad. episode. So we've been doing it for s- well, six and a half years. Yeah. Six and a half years every single month. Wow. Um, not have all... you done every... Because I've not done every single one. There's, I've missed one. You've missed one. I've missed one of them, which you was... slack. <laughs> um, one Night Stand 06. Because I did one it night... with Pete, and you he did, hated and it. And Pete had a very bad time with it. But that's the only show I think I've missed 
in the the six and a half years that we've done this. We were watching Battle in the Valley yesterday with John Moxley and Shingo Takagi. 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 God damn it. And there's a lot of shots to the head with trash can lids. Relatively safe weapon. And every time Pete winced. And it just reminded me of that ECW One Night Stand 06 show where every time it's like, oh, but the concussions, I can't enjoy it now. Get a grip, Pete! <laughs> These bloody snowflakes, that's the <laughs> problem. Get them a hat, that'll sort them out. So we've been doing this show now for six and a half years, but pretty much since we started doing this, back when we reviewed Money in the Bank 2011, it was the first show we ever did for Rest Talk Extra. Great show. There's been sort of one thing that people have wanted out of it, which is... I wish this was a video as well. And kind of like we, we always argued, well, it's an audio podcast. That's sort of what I based it upon. Like when I pitched the idea of this is what we'll do for Patreon, I was like, no, it's an audio show. Like this is the, these are the sort of shows that I listen to in my spare time. And it's just for you to, when you're going on walks or you're on drives, you're in your commute or doing the washing up or something, you listen to the little, you know, the two idiots talking about old wrestling pay-per-views. And that's the sort of fun of it. I don't see what we would get out of a, a video version of this. Also, back in the day when we were doing this in the old T-shirt days, we were filming onto SD cards. Mm. We never would have been able to floppy discs, render them out and upload it and everything. It, just, it, it wouldn't have worked the way that I think. Also, the static shot wouldn't have been mm. that interesting. But, but we're in a new era now, and I think it's time we did add some video to this. Uh oh, yeah, our faces, faces. We're gonna have. So, I mean, like, here's what's going to happen. It's the same show. We'll still be reviewing old pay-per-views. <laughs> just sounds like, it's the same, but now <laughs> with video. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, no, there's two extra things. It'll still be the same show, so it's us reviewing old pay-per-views. It will still have the clips. It will still have the games that we play. You know, what was the number one movie, the box office. We'll still go through The Observer, still go through Figure Four. But yeah, it will be a video version of it as well, with video clips as well. And we're going to have a producer. Oh, We're going to have a producer in the room with us for the video portion of this, because it's going to be multi-cameraed. Uh-oh, which means there's going to be loads of comments going... <laughs> Oh, when did W? Uh, when did Wrestle Talk hire Kevin Dunn? Is that what Kevin Dunn's doing now? This is a simple, well-established way of producing video content: multiple camera cuts. Yeah, there's no crash zooms. No. Why do Why do they say it? <laughs> I don't. Well, because the content that you and I and the rest of us have made since time in memoriam has been one shot. The Wrestle Talk news is one shot. The rest of the podcast is. One shot. So if you add a second shot into that, whoa! Check out Michael Bay over here. <laughs> That's what we need. We need a sort of circular track on the floor. Well, we can also have that Michael Bay bad boys shot. Yeah. Uh, in a inopportune moments. I mean, we're not going to do that for Wrestle Talk Extra. No. It'll just be a, you know a camera on you, a camera on me, and a, a wide. Yeah. And uh, aggressive crash zoom. <laughs> And we're going to move them up and down as well uh, as we as we nod our heads. I'm going to have a sound effects board that'll make these noises. <laughs> we're not, we haven't got a sound effects board. We'll just be still playing clips of backstage segments mm -hmm. and video packages and stuff. So that's kind of like big change number one. We're improving it by making it a video, but still the same show it always was. 
it will be an audio version as well. So yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry if you do like to listen to it while you're hanging up the washing or are otherwise visually engaged. Yeah. Because that will be there too for you. That's it. You mm. can. It'll be the exact same show. Nothing's changing. Just apart added. From, apart from these changes that we're making. No. The other thing that we're looking to do with this is something else that has been requested through comments and over the years that we've done this. People have really enjoyed it when we've done back-to-back pay-per-views. It's only happened on a handful of occasions where we reviewed a show. The next month, the following show wins the poll. People have really quite enjoyed that because what they want to see is the next show also win the poll and we can find out what happens next in this story that we're following. So... We thought, well, why don't we just do that then? Well, there's also the fact that six and a half years in, people vote and select which pay-per-views from that month at any point in history they want us to review. We've done all the big ones now. Yeah. We've done all the big bad ones. We've done all the best ones. So we don't want to enter the mid-era. No. Or even like there might be, hey, you haven't done this, you haven't done this. Well, we'll get to those eventually down the line, I would have thought. But you're right, like we... It, it was the polls were getting smaller. The engagement in the polls was getting smaller as well. I just don't think because we've done all the big ones, done Mania X Seven, done. I, I, we've had done most of the big WrestleManias. We've done TNA Sacrifice. Yeah, the only one we haven't done for TNA is Hardcore Justice, mm. which I keep pushing for, and it never wins. So what we're going to do for this month, because we've had the poll go up and we've had the result of that Royal Rumble 2014, that is Chapter. One. Whoa. Chapter one, like the book Big Apple Takedown. (laughs) Is that where this is going? You never finished it. I could see you looking around then to see if you could find it. (laughs) I think I think I I think I exploded it in a controlled detonation. Did that just get lost in the the migration move? No, it's definitely upstairs in the office. Is it really? Yeah, it's in one of the calyxes. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The, the one instruction manual that every board game player has ever played. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Calyx unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ever read. Anyway. <laughs> it's a good, there's a good joke in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> so that's chapter one. Because for the next few months, up until July, in fact, we're going to be looking at the breakup of the shield. That is our next, our first story arc that we're going to be looking at. Starting with Rumble uh, 2014, we've actually already done Chamber 2014 and we've done WrestleMania 30 in the archives, but we're going to re-look at those matches that they have. So that would be Shield versus the Wyatts, uh, which was the Elimination Chamber match, and Shield versus DX and Kane, which was the WrestleMania 30 match. Yeah, there's one of those is great. <laughs> the other one is six minutes. Yeah, so surprising. Yeah. That's how they went out, really. Yeah. Well, well yeah, yeah. There was the Batista. That's match it. As yeah, well. because it's six minutes and an injury to, to Billy Gunn. So we're gonna like look at those then in the the follow up episode after that. We're then gonna do Extreme Rules 2014, which is the first Shield and Evolution match. We'll then be doing Payback, which is the second Shield versus Evolution match. That's Blue Teaster era there's a it's the, the great thing about this which which is really exciting me because i've watched royal rumble 2014 uh, a couple of days ago and just reliving that era of crap wwe but at the same time there's this new generation of people breaking through this is the rise of brian 
on the way to WrestleMania 30. This is when the Wyatt family were a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. This is... There's so many other things. But yeah, Blue Teaster. Blue Teaster. He came back and he became a heel. Guardians of the Galaxy will not come out until August yeah. in that year. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, because one of the other things that we're going to be doing as part of this, like, looking at stories, is we're going to be watching the Raws in between as well, and sort of, like, talking about angles that happen in Raw. We'll talk about some of those in depth, like the build for each pay-per-view. What happened in the four weeks between each of these pay-per-views? Launch of the Network is Whoa. in this period of time as well. It is a huge, huge time, this this weird seven months. CM Punk freaking walked out of the company. I was going to say, our first episode is CM Punk's last WWE appearance until he returns 10 years on. But yeah, like one of the episodes of Raw that I was watching in preparation for it, the whole hype of the show is, we've got a big announcement later. Not only is it the launch of the network, here's the thing I forgot, it's the launch of the new logo. Wow, from the Scratch logo it's, to the more it's still Art scr- Deco one. It's still Scratch logo in 2014, up until like six months or so in, and then it switches to the network logo. Fascinating. Yeah, so we're going to do, talk about a lot of stuff. Not only is it the rise of Daniel Bryan, it's the end of Daniel Bryan, because he gets the yeah. concussion shortly thereafter, so we're going to cover that period of time as well. So March's episode will be Payback. The uh, April episode, this is what I'm really looking forward to. We're going to watch Raw. We're going to watch the episode of Raw where the shield split up. It's also the episode where Batista quits. And as it, and as it, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for you. As he's leaving, Triple H says, when your next movie bombs, we'll see you back here. Oh. And that next movie is Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> so April's episode will be Raw. May, we'll be doing Money in the Bank, which is that's post-Shield breakup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seth and Dean are in Money in the Bank. Roman's going for the vacated title. Uh, within that as well, we're going to look at Battlegrounds, which is there's an angle. It's supposed to be Seth versus Dean in a singles match. It doesn't happen. June's episode will be SummerSlam, which is the actual Seth versus Dean match. Uh, and Roman Reigns versus Randy Orton. Uh, and we're also going to look at the payback angle, because that was supposed to be Seth versus Roman in a singles match. That doesn't happen either. And then our final episode of the series will be in July, when we look at Hell in a Cell, the end of the shield like that is seth versus dean it's inside hell in a cell roman goes out injured seth moves on to going into authority stuff and dean moves on into the wyatt feud and that's it that's the end of the shield it's also wonderfully coincidental that this is that you've come up with this idea because we're going to be almost reliving month by month 10 years ago yeah because it's 2024 now. We're talking about 2014. And yeah, we could look at all these things through the lens of 2014. Just an example in the Royal Rumble match where Punk, you know, walks out on through various backstage things afterwards. There's a moment when Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes are in the ring with Punk and they're all fighting. I'm like, this is raw now. Yeah. And everyone's in vastly different positions. The first two guys in that Rumble... (laughs) It's punk and Seth. Yeah. It's mad when you think about that 10 years on. That could be one of our WrestleMania main events for this year. But yes, yeah, so that's our first storyline that we're going to be doing. I'm really, really excited by this. Yeah. And I, yeah, I hope everyone enjoys it too. Yeah. And I think it's, it'll, it'll be like a series at the end of it. You can go back and binge listen or binge watch. 
Yeah. Should know as well, we're not just looking at the matches. We're mm. not just looking at the Shield matches on uh, Payback and on Money in the Bank stuff. We're watching the whole show. So we're going to watch all of Money in the Bank and talk about all of the happenings on there. So, which also means we're going to track lower card stories. Which in... you're, you seem to be more excited about than anything else. I am. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to see like what, what are just these... The, this period of time is... I, I often refer to it as the bunch of lads era because it's just mid-carders just ever remaining in the mid-card. So what are they doing? Mm. Like, what are they doing with each other? Because I don't remember. I remember what happens in the main event stuff. I remember the authority and things like that. But I don't remember what your Dolph Ziggler's are doing, what your your Ryback's are doing. Like, I what, see champion Big E. What, like, what feuds are they going to be having? What matches are they going to be having in this period of time? So I'm mm. really excited to look back at, like, just charting people's non-progression, I guess, <laughs> month by month. Same position you were in last time, I guess. Do you want another seven-minute IC title match? Have at it. So yeah, that's our that's our plan. Yeah, there's a. Well, we'll update the Patreon page by the time you listen to this, so that that'll sort of be written there for you. And of course, as a result of this, there will be no more submissions for what. Uh, chose to review and no poll so yeah. just in case you're looking out for that we've decided for you well i, I feel like they were starting to dwindle we had like a month uh, a few months back where we had three submissions in i just don't think it is like what people are really like wanting to get out of rest talk extra at this point mm. so i don't think we're, we're not doing it as an effective like it's not becoming the best show that it possibly can be and what we want it to be is the best show that it can be and i think you know we think this is the best version of the show and if it isn't, me and you will have fun. Because <laughs> we'll always have fun. <laughs> we'll always have fun reviewing these shows. Man, there's a there's a line in The Observer reviewing Royal Rumble. Cause, but I mean, I'll be honest, it's dominated by CM Punk walked out of the company. Uh-huh. But there's a line in there about Ring of Honor that really made me laugh. There's just a line about something that's happened in Ring of Honor recently that I'm like... The more things change, the more they stay the same. Can you tell me, just as a tease? Do you want me to just, do you want me to just yeah, read yeah. out to you now? Yeah. Right, this will be a... It's like a teaser trailer <laughs> for Wrestle Talk Extra. Right, New season, episode one. So, this is from the February 3rd, 2014 edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter in the Ring of Honor section. Roderick Strong, at the last minute, had to pull out of wrestling on the Pittsburgh show because of his neck injury. Oh. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Neck Strong, Roddy Strong, had to pull out because of a neck injury on, the, on January 2014. Oh, um, have you? I can't remember if you've watched the Rumble in preparation. I'm up to Cena Orton, which obviously, that's the other side that dominates mm, this, is that... Brilliant. People, the 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 crowd turned on. on AKA that match. a triple threat match: Cena, Orton versus the crowd. Yeah. Uh, there's there's something. Should, shall I give you a little thing? Mm-hmm. You might be aware. Anyway, Britt Baker's in the crowd. Yes, she is because it's in it's Pittsburgh. It's in Pittsburgh. The the camera's panning after the match, and Britt like, I was like, is that Britt Baker? Because like, I I couldn't remember any seeing any pictures. Mm. Searched Britt Baker, Royal Rumble 2014. Of course, it's in Pittsburgh, where Britsburg is from. And yeah, it's her. It's like seeing Aubrey Edwards in the uh-huh. crowd for <laughs> Daniel Bryan's um, retirement. Yeah. So yeah, cannot wait for that. We're going to record this um, on Monday the 
Yes, this coming Monday. So Monday the 21st, I think. And then uh, if if it all goes well, because it's the first time we've actually done a kind of live video edit, that will be with you on the 31st of January. So please tell your friends. Tell you. It's a new era. I feel like Mustafa Ali's new gimmick. It's a new era for WrestleTalk. And we're dead excited about this. We hope you're excited too. Let us know in the comments as well um, what you think of this. Because the other thing we're going to be looking for is suggestions. You know, what stories would you like us to cover? What mm-hmm. angles, like, you know, four-month, five-month angles and stuff you'd like us to cover that we can go pay-per-view by pay-per-view with some, like, you know, Raws or SmackDowns in the middle of that. doesn't have to be WWE. It could be TNA. Just, like, probably something. <laughs> Give us TNA. This is the, like, we, what we, the other reason Main event mafia, TNA. The, I think this is the only way I'll ever get to review 2005, 2006 episodes of TNA. You don't want that, because, TNA. Because, yes, I do. You That's want not, Aces no, 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 and no, no. eight TNA. I actually wouldn't mind doing aces and eights. <laughs> if we could work out how to do aces and eights, like in a, in a six-month period, like mm. how can we truncate all of the aces and eight storyline? So if we get to watch the impact where Bully Ray and her, uh, Brooke have their wedding with the look. Which is great. <laughs> the look down the camera. <laughs> yeah, if we can find out a way to do aces and eights in six months, I actually would. I'd push for that. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, let's do that one. <laughs> but yeah, let us know in the comments. What do you reckon? Um, uh, and we'll see you on the 31st with the next episode. Love you, bye. Yeah. Yeah, love you, bye. <laughs> cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. TNA Wrestling. Cross the line. Look at my eyes. Look at my eyes. Look into my eyes. I've set out on my path. It begins with a dream. The beginning, the beginning, the beginning isn't the end. I won't finish where I began. On the road to victory, 
great rewards require great sacrifices. Motivation. There is no can't. Dedication. There is no can't. Determination. There's no can't. No won't on the road I walk. On the road I walk. To the victors go the spoils. Can you see it? Can you see it? Power. Glory. Control. Can you see it? The losers fall alone. Can you see it? I can. I can. I can. I can. I can. I can. History is written by the victors. It's all about the individual. I will become. I will become. I will become. I will become. And now, TNA Wrestling presents Victory Road. Welcome to this trilogy episode of Wrestle Talk Extra because I do believe this is a Wrestle Talk Extra, Wrestle Talk Patreon first. We are now about to review the third chronological sequenced pay per view. Yeah, this is the first time ever this has happened. Do people like this? Is this what people actually want? They just a want journey to, to follow through with us? Or they just want us to become a TNA podcast? They just want Wrestle Talk Extra to be. Wrestle TNA extra. I'm okay with that. <laughs> because, yeah, this is such a bad show. That's awful. This show's bad. And you, I don't usually get a kick out of stuff that's naff, right? Mm. You do. That's your thing. Uh, I, I, you know, weird. I like things to be good. Mm. I enjoyed watching this so much. It's a very TNA show. I felt like I was enjoying it twice at the same time. No, maybe even three times. I was watching it. I was being nostalgic because this is my this is hardcore Ollie TNA fandom days. And I was also watching it with the mind for the future of getting to laugh about it. Yeah, with you. I uh, this is a, a very nostalgic show for me in the sense of this is a Brian and Vinny show episode. I've listened to a lot. Well, it's the. So it's TNA, obviously we're doing that. I'm Ollie Davis, I'm joined by Luke Owen, DAD. You're, you're Patreons, you know, you know this by you know this by now. Especially if you're listening to this one. You're listening yeah. to the third in the trilogy. Oh yeah, and if you haven't, if you're a new Pledgehammer, on, or maybe you've been a Pledgehammer for a while and you're just getting to this after a few months, because they're long episodes, we understand. Not everybody has an infinite amount of time. Mm-hmm. Tony Khan, <laughs> stop commissioning new wrestling shows. Should they go back and listen to the start of this, which is Sacrifice? I would say you start at Sacrifice, then you do Slammiversary, then you do this. I think you have to. You don't start with The Dark Knight Rises. No. No, you need the context. Funny enough, Christopher Nolan would probably prefer you to watch those things out of order. Yeah. I, I think you need to understand why The Dark Knight Rises is a bad movie by starting with Batman Begins. I think you should uh, intercut all of that trilogy... And put it together in an incomprehensible <laughs> sequence, uh-huh. and then afterwards say, "Yeah, really, uh, that the time, the time jumping actually really made sense." <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that's all Oppenheimer is. Oh yeah, it's juggling like seven different time periods. And a, the way Kermode reviewed it, which I listened to this morning, was a lot of it is men in rooms talking, which is actually my favourite kind of movie. 
but that makes it very difficult to differentiate which time period it is. Oh. Because it's all kind of the same. All, it's all just different men. Yeah. But in some kinds, the same men. I found Dunkirk very confusing in that regard. Mm. Yeah, Dunkirk was, I could kind of take it or leave it. Mm. Uh, had its moments. Had its moments. A bit like Interstellar. I think Interstellar has its moments. Overall, I don't think it's a good movie, but I, I think it has its moments. I agree with that. But the the idea of you popping out for an hour to investigate something and then coming back and the person you left behind has been there for seven years mm. in that planet sequence... That still haunts me sometimes. Yeah. It just pops into my head. That's what I mean. It's got really good moments in mm. it. But then other times, here's Matt Damon. Uh, to walk onto the Friends applause <laughs> sound effect for the cameo. Uh, right. But we're not reviewing Christopher Nolan's Ovier. We are Because Memento is the best one. We're all agreed on that. It's like that, The Prestige. I really like The Prestige. Just for the David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was just now you've got me thinking. Mm. Really, you're not going to even put the Dark Knight. No. Of course, you're not. Well, no, so that's a three star movie, <coughs> and Memento is a five star movie. Uh, Inception is banging. It's a great film, but, it's, it's but you put Memento. I, first. I think Memento's better than Inception. You think he peaked right at the beginning? I think he might have done. But we are talking <laughs> TNA Victory Road 2009. And that was 14 years ago. Historically, one of the worst wrestling shows <laughs> ever broadcast, featuring one of the worst matches ever put on by a major wrestling promotion. So I watched this on YouTube. You don't need to sign up to a, a paywall for the actual pay-per-view itself to enjoy it, because it, TNA, over the pandemic, put a lot of these full events up onto their YouTube channel uh, with the... Ad breaks, TV ad breaks, still hard coded in when it dips to black. Of course, and also not then coding YouTube ad breaks to line up yeah. with them. <laughs> so what you have are dips to up and down, fade to black, fade up mm. from black. But YouTube ads also just bang in the middle of moves. I once offered them years ago. Uh, do you want me to help you out with your TNA, uh, your YouTube <laughs> stuff? No, no, no I think no, I got well. it. Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, and uh, the top comment when I open this was from four months ago from mm -hmm. tofu one two four four who's here because of luke tempest and pete's <laughs> worst match ever gotta love the best women's match ever yep so many of the top comments on that pay-per-view video are about jenna versus charmel it's because we linked and to about it. you it's because we linked to it from our <laughs> video to be like you can watch this one for free it's on youtube look the link for it's in the video description down mm -hmm. below i found that to be quite a funny thing actually because i said that in the video but then forgot to put it in the actual video description and people lost their minds because <laughs> they were like where's the, where is it i can't find it now and i was like well you you can know how to use <laughs> youtube <laughs> you know what the show is i've told you what the show is mm -hmm. and we were talking about this with collision uh, we had a show recently that had no Ultra Chats on it. And the theory is because there was no link to the Ultra Chats at the top of the video description. So people just didn't know how to do it. Despite the fact it's been the same for five years. Yeah, but people aren't bookmarking that link. They probably just click it every time. But those moderators are also putting it there. I do, you've got to make it easy for the customer. Yeah. Uh, I can also confirm as well, because I do have the worst match ever leaderboard next to me. Mm. It was not... Well, actually, no, it ended up being our best worst match ever. Yeah. Yeah. Shelley versus Rebel just couldn't quite beat it uh, in the end. Uh, what else we got in there? 
Brothers of Destruction versus Chronic. Oh, that's bad. Um, how much is TNA in there? Got a lot of WWE. Yeah, there's only three. There's Jenna Charmel, Shelley and Rebel, the Reverse Battle Royal, uh, Caitlin Maxine, that's NXT, mm-hmm. uh, and everything else is WWE. Hmm. Beautiful leaderboard. What a leaderboard. <coughs> what a fun show. Not that this one isn't. Um, <laughs> but we've already kind of covered where we were at this point, so we kind of can sort of jump into the Observer and stuff. But before we get into that, I do have to ask you. Yes. What is the number one movie at the box office? Oh, my God. It's mid-July. It's like July 18th, I believe it is, 2009. I'm just going to quickly double-check that. Uh, but, yeah, what, what do you think is the number one movie? So we've you've told me the number one. I think I've guessed all of the weeks of the year in trying to guess last month's one. July 19th. Oh, okay, that helps. And the UK box office? UK box office, please. <sighs> July 19th. Mm. Not a superhero movie. No, it's not. Franchise movie, though. Franchise movie. Oh, yeah. Fast and Furious no. isn't... Let me finish before you deny. I'm, I'm showing my workings. <laughs> it's not Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> it's that thing where you're like, mm-hmm. what's the answer? Is it... <laughs> are, are you born on a... Tuesday? Friday. Saturday. 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 Um... Oh, my God. I'm drawing a blank on any movie ever released apart from Christopher Nolan films. <laughs> it's not a Nolan movie. I can tell you that much. Hmm. 2009. Mm-hmm. Not superhero. Oh, of no. course, Nolan would have been doing a lot of Batman. Well, this has anyway. been the year after um, Iron Man. Yeah. Because well, is that Dark Knight? Is the same year as Iron Man? And then Dark Knight Rises in the same year as The Avengers. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, oh, that's a good clue. So I'm I'm at the tail end of university. Uh, what was I going to see? Stop it, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Get out of my brain. <laughs> Way after that. Um, can it's I have a clue? That's Ollie's coffee cup, by the way. He is banging on the table there. My coffee cup. Uh, so think same... Uh, same studio. Franchise. Same studio as... So Disney. No, no, as... As Marvel. At, no, let me finish. As <laughs> as Nolan's superhero. Warner album. Bros. Yeah. A Warner Brothers franchise that's not a superhero movie. It's Looney Tunes. It's not. It's back in action. Oh, if only. Goldberg. <laughs> uh, franchise from Warner Bros. Matrix. No, that was way before. Mm-hmm. God, that, the, the more recent one's awful. Yeah, you are not a fan of that movie. No, and I get annoyed with people who claim it's smart. <laughs> <laughs> when it's actually... Like, the Ma- let's be honest. The Matrix was never smart. It was GCSE philosophy. Yeah. Um, and then to say this more... The more recent one is... is, is uh, it's contrarian. It's a, uh, it's, it's a dumb guy's example of a smart movie. Yes. But it's glorious. I love being a dumb guy. The first film's amazing. Uh, and the second and third. <laughs> Combining to make one. Yeah, yeah, if you if you trim that up and make that into one movie, yeah, get rid of all the real world stuff. Um, Warner Bros. franchises is it a kids thing? Yes, I'd say it's a kids thing. Uh, y- yes, it's, it was designed for kids, I suppose. But like a lot of adults 
also really got on board. For Warner Brothers? In, in particularly in our office, there were people who really got on board with this as a franchise. Avatar The that's, Last That's Airbnb. 20th Century Fox. Let me finish. <laughs> Pokemon. <laughs> Dragon Ball. There are weebs in the office. Yeah. Is it a weeb related? It's not a weeb related mm. thing. Something that everyone in the office got on board. No, no, not everyone on the office. Some people in the office really, really got on board with this as a franchise. In 2009? Yeah, and, and before it's really. like in, it, in its early stages, in like the late 90s, and then like here is sort of like it's getting into its real zenith as it's sort of reaching its franchise peak. Oh, Transformers. No, that's, all, that's also oh, uh, that's Paramount. <laughs> Star Trek. That's Paramount. Oh, that's as well. Paramount. <laughs> Talk me through. Name me some Warner Brothers franchises. Looney Tunes. No. <laughs> Do you remember when they had a few years back when you and I were doing our movie podcast, and they were like, "Here's our big tentpole, tentpole franchises." It's DC. Uh huh. And it's. <gasps> no, that's Universal. I was going to say the classic monsters. No. Oh no, it's, dark, it's not Dark <laughs> Universe territory. Warner Bros. Friend. I don't know why I can't think of anything. Obviously, I know HBO, but that wouldn't come under this bracket. Would it, would it help if I said that its origins was a book? Watchman. No, you said no. <laughs> origins. Was... Harry Potter. There it is. Oh. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, That's Harry... so glaringly obvious. Yeah, it's Harry Potter. Do you know which one it is? Um, 2009. So I was at uni. It hadn't finished yet. So I'm going to say the sixth one. Oh, no, I wish you hadn't said that one. I need to give you an actual title. Uh, Harry Potter and the Floops of Grangador. That's the one. It's uh, <laughs> And the Half-Blood Prince. Oh, I think that... That might be is the sixth the one. F- fifth? I think it's the fifth one, Order it? of the Phoenix. Are there only dogs Harry this? Potter movies. Dogs and transphobes. <laughs> <laughs> Half-Blood Prince, you said. Mm-hmm. That is the sixth movie. Well done, One, you. One, two, three, four, five, six. And Deathly Hallows, two parts. Yeah. For the Wonga. <laughs> Do you remember that period of time when every final movie in a franchise was a two-part thing? Do you mean the Hunger Games? Hunger Games mocking J part one, yep. forward slash A. <laughs> and now Tom Cruise is bringing that back. Yeah. I was really looking forward to seeing Mission Impossible. But I haven't because it's nearly three hours and it's a part one. The first cut of the train sequence was 90 minutes long. <laughs> you are bad filmmakers. <laughs> I, you are bad at your job. If you're making an action sequence that is 90 minutes long, yeah. and then you go like, oh man, how did that happen? It's because you're bad at your job. Because you, now you've got to try and trim that down to make that into an actual movie length of a sequence. Yeah, it's like Zack Snyder. And everyone's yeah. like, oh yeah, but the four hour version's amazing. Yeah, but no, that's not a movie then. That's a limited series to go on TV or a two-parter. Exactly. You're bad at your job. You've structured the story inefficiently. Uh, I, I would ask you the song, but I mean, maybe you'll know what it is. You, you're coming to the end of your university years. You're still going to clubs. I'm working at Four Music. I'm, yeah. I'm going to the clubs, yeah. Is it a, let's go to the beach? Beach, would, let's go to wave. I would say that By this Nicki is Minaj. a dance song. Uh, that's, a, that's a guess on my part, because I don't know this song. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I believe it's a dance track based on the artist's name and the subject matter of the song title. <laughs> 
What? Because I, I, I don't know the artist, but I hear that name and I was like, I bet you that's a dance act. A Vinci? No. Begins with a C? Calvin Harris. <laughs> <laughs> no. Begins with a C? Mm. I don't understand your first clue. Okay, I'm just going to tell you what it is. <laughs> uh, Cascada. Oh, yeah. Evacuate the dance floor. So I look at that as a name and a song title, and I'm like, I bet you that's a dance song. Mm, I think you're right. Should we? Uh, I do. I do recognise the name Cascada. Uh, evacuate the yeah, because they did every time we touch da 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 da. So I'll play it once. This what is this an advert for? Oh, a guy called Greg Secker is asking me to learn how to trade with him mm. for free. Mm. Printing cash I sounds mean, that's, good. That's fraud. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh oh. I actually do know that quite intimately because that was you made love to it on several occasions. I I fucked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the every every summer for music would have a promo campaign that had one song and you would just hear that song every 15 minutes mm. because of the nature of ad breaks and it would be like the bumpers either side of the commercials and this, that was the song that year yeah well yeah there you go now i said to you this is a big uh pay-per-view for us mm. to talk about not only because it is uh categorically one of the worst uh wrestling pay-per-views mm -hmm. ever broadcast on by a major wrestling <laughs> promotion um, what else? Is, what else is in contention there? By the way, Heroes of Wrestling. Yeah, not, but that's not a major not wrestling major, promotion. But that is kind of like it's these two at this point in time. We'll get into this when we get to the reviews of it. This is how it was like. This is the new Heroes of Wrestling in terms wow. of bad wrestling shows. Yeah, um, but that that's that was the then the discussion around this and the sort of the legacy that it held. I think that's unfair because Matt Morgan is on the show. Yeah, and I do think that I mean Heroes of Wrestling is very bad. Mm. I think it's somewhat <laughs> recency bias. Of people seeing and being like, oh, this is just as bad as Heroes of Wrestling without really thinking, no, 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 let's remember how bad Heroes of Wrestling was. This is just some half decent wrestling with bad finishes up and down the card. You know, I've never seen Heroes of Wrestling. It's come up on our poll a couple of times and it's never won. Maybe we should wrestle control of the democracy away. Maybe we should stage a coup on our own Patreon yeah. and just be like, look. What has democracy given us? <laughs> Look at the world right now. You need a strong man. <laughs> and we are maybe not strong men individually, but together, together. we can just tell you what we're going to review and it will be more fun. I think you're also carrying a lot of that load because you do CrossFit. and uh... Thank you. My technique. Oh, honestly, the swinging kip-up I did the other day. Yeah, you have not stopped talking about I, it. it was, I had a dream that I... Beat Brock Lesnar, <laughs> <laughs> not in like a big thing, but we were just like it was a game. We were on all fours, and the aim was to like just pat the other person's arm from out underneath them. Right. And Brock was beating everyone as a joke, and then he went for me, and he was impressed. And then he said, "Actually, that's cool. A day." He didn't like. We didn't oh, finish. Right. He tapped out. Yeah, he surrendered. Yeah, yeah. Was it caught on camera? And then every, a lot of people were like, "Oh man, like." It felt like he went away from me. Genuine dream. Mm. Genuine dream.
Uh, I, but I said to you that this is a big one for us to talk about because there's a lot to dive into in terms of news. And it is news about TNA as well. This is a big week of news for TNA. Mm. The future direction of TNA literally hangs in the balance due to the situation involving Jeff Jarrett and Karen Angle. Mm. The situation came to a head this past week when Jarrett, the founder and part owner of the company, was sent home by Dixie Carter. It was officially stated that Jarrett, who turned 42 this past week, has taken a personal leave of absence from the company. He was not at the Victory Road pay-per-view or at the television tapings held this week. Jarrett has steered the creative direction for this company largely since its beginning seven years ago. The direction has been questioned by people from the start, particularly in recent years, with all the television exposure they have and the audience they draw. Their attendance at live events and pay-per-view numbers are poor <laughs> in actual falling, even as the star powers increase greatly. Indeed, one of the most often asked questions is how Jarrett, who has been around the business from childhood and whose father is one of the greatest wrestling bookers in history, could take a company in such a direction and not learn or change <laughs> from those numbers. Well, but you see, like, he moves away. He's he's gone for one week. You say there, mm -hmm. crap pay per view. Yeah, bad time. Maybe. So what? What? How much worse could it be? It's what you, you know, know. Again, this is uh, Vince Russo and <clears throat> Bruce Pritchard just have full control. Yeah, and without Jarrett there to be the Vince McMahon creative oversight to be like, let's not do that one. Put me in the main event <laughs> to win. The feeling is that the feeling is that most in TNA have resigned themselves to the idea that the marketplace has changed and that the promotion will never be seen in the public as the same league as WWE and UFC. It is limited in drawing in pay-per-view and house shows. There is a feeling that for international television sales and domestic ratings, the focal point of the company and whatever licensing income they can derive, what drives the ship is featuring aging stars of the Monday Night War era. The ratings, which remain steady, are seen as the affirmation that what they are doing isn't failing, even though they are now backing away from going outside Orlando more than a few times a year for pay-per-view events because they can't sell tickets in major markets even for the big shows. There's no indication from the quarter hours that there's no indication from the quarter hours that even when it comes to ratings, while logic would say that the stars in the past with being more familiar would move the ratings, even that isn't even the case. The addition of Mick Foley and the creation of the main event mafia did lead to the company to its best ratings, but they're still ahead of levels of years ago, but the ratings have leveled off from the peak, and still it's the women's matches that are still the most consistent ratings movers. Hmm. Even such this past week, when the biggest growth segment by far was the debut of Alyssa Flash and Sarita. We'll get into I remember Sarita, Alyssa Flash. Cheerleader Melissa, uh, who was Raisha Saeed for a bit. She was awesome. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that in just a second, actually, because I think that's a really interesting note. Um, so, there is uncertainty. Uh, the uncertainty is exactly who will wind up out of this as the power. Talking with a few in the company, there are plenty of rumors that nothing has been said. It was said to be a feeling of uncertainty as to what will happen after this taping, but the taping ran with lots of questions and no answers. Angle in the dressing room this past week at shows was cutting strong promos on Jarrett. So, wow. should be, for the record, if people don't know this story, Karen and Ang sorry, Karen and Kurt were married. They were an act on TV. Then they got a divorce. Karen was still under contract to TNA, uh, but she wasn't being used on TV as much. And then Karen and Jarrett started a relationship, and that's where we are now because Karen Jarrett was on AEW most recently in a match with Aubrey Edwards. Yeah, they're still together. Still together now. Um, we have done a show though where Jeff and Karen. Well, yeah, it was when they became an act on TV. We did a show from 2011. Oh, when right. They go so on that's their, after this. Yeah, yeah, when they go on their honeymoon and he takes them yeah. on their honeymoon to Orlando. Is that Victory Road 2011? It was. It's the Jeff Hardy show. Wow. So, yeah, two years after. Yeah. Arguably 
Another <laughs> low point in that promotion's history. Different people have noted that Angle saying he would kick Jarrett's ass if he saw him and that he was going to have booking power. And if Jarrett's brought back, he's going to leave this company and go back to WWE. Wow. Of course, people also know not to take seriously much of what Angle says. Jarrett Angle and Vince Russo all have histories of doing angles that attempt to work the boys. It makes little sense for Angle to suddenly be furious over something that's been going on for months on end. There was also a behind-the-scenes power play where people in the company were being rallied to choose sides between Angle and Jarrett in power struggle even more than a year ago over the direction of the company, and both talked it out. Even with what's going on, it was described that Angle and Jarrett were no longer friendly but worked together without major heat in a business setting. It's been, it's been noted in the company that Angle has been more and more friendly to Vince McMahon when doing media interviews designed to promote mm. TNA, which is a very Kurt Angle thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Like he was doing that. He, like through the, the 2010s, you could judge where he was mentally by yeah. the sort of interviews he was giving. Like, oh, yeah, I'd love to go in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, oh, Vince like, McMahon, he's the greatest wrestling promoter of all time. Yeah, and then like the next week, ah, yeah, they really screwed me over. <laughs> Should also be noted that when Angle and WWE had their parting of ways, that Karen Angle was a major catalyst, telling Kurt at the time that she would leave him if he stayed with WWE. The funny thing is, almost everyone sees the nature of the business being what it is, and the two will agree to have a business relationship at some point and try to use this real life as part of a storyline grudge. You hear that, elite? <laughs> From a dressing room standpoint, most have sided with Angle on this. Jared, as the boss of the mm. company, where virtually everyone is frustrated at the lack of progress despite the public lip service to the contrary, is going to have his detractors. Uh, they point to the idea that there is some sort of wrestler's code about messing with families, even though Kurt and Karen were on the rocks many times before TNA and had a unique relationship to begin with. Kurt and Raka Khan was hardly a kept secret, but uh, wrestling has always been... A but wrestling has always been a world where if a guy sleeps with a hundred women, he's a stud, and if a woman sleeps with two guys, she's a slut. Jared has his allies, but many of them are resented for being so. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, <clears throat> it's important to point out, but it feels like Karen's the villain there, but Kurt had serious issues oh, yeah. around this time, so it must not have been easy. I'm now going to jump across to Figure Four's coverage of this story, hmm. because they uh, Brian will dive into how... This story all came about in terms of how the public at large learned about mm. Karen and um, uh, Jared. Do you know this? Maybe. I didn't know. I'd forgotten this was how it all came out. It was in the. I wasn't doing dirt sheets at this time. Oh, of course, I was yeah. purely enjoying wrestling. It was the inmates running the asylum on this show as Jeff Jarrett's been sent home by Dixie Carter. What you're about to read is the talk of the TNA locker room. I have no idea if it's true. I will preface by saying that anytime I hear a story in a company where Vince Russo is a booker, and that story includes Jeff Jarrett, I'm immediately <laughs> skeptical. But people insist this is all true. And when you hear the story, you realize there's almost certainly no way the dipshits who put this pay-per-view together could possibly come up with something this creative. So, a few days ago, someone called in to Bubba the Love Sponge and in a disguised voice said Karen Angle and her children had moved in with Jeff Jarrett. Bubba said he could not believe this story, and he'd called Kurt to find out Kurt didn't answer his phone. Stop right there. If you were TNA and something like this happened and the story was true, wouldn't the idea to be to downplay it as a stupid rumor and try and move on like nothing out of the ordinary had happened? Of course, that's not what they did. Mm. They immediately gave Bubba, who said that he did not believe the story, mind you, the rigmarole, then pulled Matt Morgan from his scheduled appearance on the program. 
Bubba was livid, and immediately everyone listening assumed the story had to be true. It gets better. Dixie Carter responded to this call by immediately sending Jarrett home, confirming to at least all but the to at least all the wrestlers who had heard these rumors for a while that it must be true. Why is Bubba the Love Sponge <laughs> in so many TNA scandals? I don't know. Because he was the one with all the Hogan stuff later. Yeah, exactly. I feel like uh, didn't, awesome didn't Kong Awesome punch Kong him. punch yeah, him. Because he yeah. made fun of um, uh, Haiti. Yeah. yeah, so not, not a lovely guy. Oh, no. Um, um, yeah, uh, there are great political issues stemming from this, which takes it out of the realm of the private manner into the realm of a business story. Kurt Angle's contract is coming due in the next three months. He's so livid that apparently he's told people that if he ends up in the same place with Jack, he'll kick his ass. He's told other people that if Jack's still with the company, his contract comes up, he's not re-signing. And Kurt's been very amicable towards mm. WWE as of late. Even taking the blame for all the issues surrounding his departure and <coughs> praising Vince McMahon for how he handled it. Yeah, well, that's actually the wrong thing to do there because WWE did not want him back. <laughs> you gotta, you got to sort of tease Vince, haven't you? So yeah. he brings you back. One source who worked closely with Angle before he left to TNA said that Angle was in a bad enough physical condition at the point that he had to a he had an elaborate ice pack system set up inside the robe he wore down to the ring. He said wow. Angle was in such bad shape that he would never pass a wellness test at the time without it being badly compromised, and he didn't believe he would have ever worked much uh, without what uh, he would not he could not have worked without much of what he was taking. The source said he find it hard to believe that Angle was uh, good as new. Th- as good as new three years later. He should not be an in-ring performer at any level in 2009. The God damn. Hey, he looks pretty good in the ring, though. Yeah. He's, that, that's <laughs> always the thing about Angle. Apparently, like, he goes backstage and he can't move. He can't stand up. Wow. He can't sit down. He can't lie down. He cannot move. He's like in physical pain. The second that bell rings, something happens and he becomes the resting machine. When I met him in 2015, because I produced an interview he did, I was really shocked because uh, I've met Mick Foley before, and that made sense to me. He can barely walk. He's, he's quite upsetting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when, when I saw Kurt in person for the first time, you know, it sort of, it became worse, I guess, you know, when you'd watch him walk down to the ring in, in his WWE days, and he's like, he always had quite a strange yeah. knee bend. Is it weird? Because when we saw, we saw Raw live, mm. and like, he was just standing on the ground, I was like, God, he looks so weird. Oh, no, he wasn't even there because he couldn't fly over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's like, and that's like uh, six years later than this. So I don't know if he'd been better because he'd left TNA yeah. at that point, or he, he was doing his like retirement that's series it, yeah. of matches. As for Jarrett's future, nobody knows what's going on. There are rumours that Dixie is so upset that she's offered to buy his controlling shares to get rid of him, which would pretty much effectively end his Major League Wrestling career since the belief is that Vince McMahon will never take him back. Right now, they're publicly saying he's taking a leave of absence for personal reasons. Well. Who won in the end? Who has the most wrestling TV exposure in 2023? It's Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, and he's got Karen there as well now. Yeah. The real elite. So I, I wanted to bring up this bit of racing, so I'll dive into some other uh, observer notes. TNA on the 16th of July did a 1.4, uh, 1.14 rating with 1.5 million viewers. Uh, the show did it a 1. Point, uh, blah, 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 blah. But this is the segment-by-segment breakdown of that show. Samoa Joe versus Amazing Red lost 145,000 viewers. That was a great match. I probably went two minutes. Suicide versus Chris Saban and Homicide winning the X Division title from Suicide gained 66,000 viewers. The confrontation between Angelina Love and Tara uh, lost 39,000 viewers. 
Alyssa Flash versus Rita gained 158,000 <laughs> viewers. It gained what? more than Samoa Joe and Amazing Red lost. Different time. Yeah. And People it... liked um, female character wrestling. I wouldn't say the, the, this era of knockouts wrestling was any good in ring, but the characters were great. Yeah. Because uh, Dave writes here, that's so ridiculous. Two newcomers never on the show, and they meant more than all of the people on Weekly. Because you get to the main event, Sting versus Kurt Angle in a cage match lost 66,000 viewers. Wow. Well, I can't remember if there were... I, f- I feel like there were build-up packages for their debut. Um, and I remember TNA always being good at that part, at least. Which is something like AEW don't do. Mm. Uh, but they were terrible at booking the talent once they were there. Yeah. Uh, Brian Alvarez just notes here, the 14th of July edition of ECW did 1.8 million viewers. That's baffling to me because think about this. TNA is doing a smaller rating for shows that feature Kurt Angle, Sting, AJ Styles, Samojo, Mick Foley, Kevin Nash, etc. And ECW is beating them with Yoshi Tatsu, mm. Abraham Washington and Tommy Dreamer as champion. That's crazy. I didn't know, I didn't know the, uh, the TNA versus ECW ratings comparisons. Because that's like, I always thought TNA was... At least third overall, you know, Raw, SmackDown, then TNA. I didn't know ECW was yeah, above ECW it. Was I, always... I thought it was more NXT, AEW levels. No, I think ECW was always just a slightly higher because, mm. like, it, 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 TNA re- roughly did like one point one every week, um, and then sort of went on to one point five ish. Yeah, ECW was doing better for them, doing better than them rather. Uh, the arrival of Taz has shaken up the announcing crew. The general belief is that Taz will uh, wind up as an announcer when his managing role with Samojo runs its course. Mike, Danae, and Don West have been together for seven years. One of the reasons for giving West the new character was to get him over as a character and thus save his spot when Taz arrives. Ah. Nobody's given any indication of what the future announcing crew will be. Hmm. And of course, we will now know that Taz does replace West uh, in, the, in the coming months. Which is quite sad because yeah. I, I thought Don's short lived heel work was was awesome does he become like amazing red's manager he does for this? a little bit yeah and it's, it's only a it short run work. that does not yeah. work uh, I, i'm gonna have to just show you this one because i don't think this one works as a, an audio medium uh but this is from brian out this is from figure four taylor wild on her facebook wrote victory road was and then she's got four asterisks so a, expletives yeah and then uh, brian adds here i presume that doesn't mean four stars <laughs> <laughs> Uh, from Dave Meltzer, while the company hasn't alerted people internally of this, the belief is that Jeff Hardy's WWE departure is imminent. As mm. noted, his contract is up at the end of the month and he's not booked on any house shows after that. Those close to him expect that he will do SummerSlam as his final show, even though his contract is up a few weeks earlier. It appears they are pushing Morrison to Hardy's spot as Punk's leading opponent, and that right now Morris, we're now getting Morrison and Ziggler over as major focal points on the SmackDown show. While you can't say that people are happy that Hardy is leaving at a time when the SmackDown babyface side lacks so much depth, he is getting some praise for willingly putting Punk over at house shows every night and working hard and doing quality main events on the way out. Well, Punk was... Uh, that was like the the feud that really first got me into Punk. Because mm. then Straight Edge Societies later. Yeah. Then it's the, the, you know, the pipe bomb stuff after that. He gets injured. He's on commentary where he's really fun. But the Jeff Hardy stuff, he actually stays a bit longer, doesn't he? He has like a, a rematch after SummerSlam. I think so, yeah. On an episode of SmackDown, and that's his last match. Um, and then after that, Punk kind of buries him for those uh, addiction issues. Yeah. Which is a pretty 
grimy heel move, but then I think shortly after that was when Jeff's house was raided. Yeah. Uh, this is a fun one because we now know what does happen. There's no definitive word on Edge and his comeback, but mm. the thing is it's six to nine months. Nine months could be a close call for WrestleMania, but one would figure that's likely the target date for his comeback. So he won Rumble. He wins the Rumble. And then he faces Del Rio and then he retires the night after. Uh, that's, that's 2012. Really? Yeah, he comes back at 2010 and wins the Rumble and then he wins the title at Mania. But I'm pretty sure he retires like 2012-ish. Oh, I thought it was... Maybe I'm getting it mixed up. Oh, I can't just type Edge into Wikipedia. Edge computing, Edge device, <laughs> Adobe Edge. Edge, brackets, U2. The, yep, Edge, uh, radio and television, The Edge, video games, Edge magazine, UK video games magazine. The Edge, Morgan Edge, who's a DC Comics supervillain. Are you excited for Blue Beetle? Me, no. And <laughs> <laughs> a couple of weeks. He's a media mogul who acquires the Daily Planet. I think they accidentally released an HBO Max special. <laughs> It's tracking to an 11 million opening weekend. Oh, that's painful. Apologies to check here. But you're probably right. Record-breaking world heavyweight champion 2010 to 2011. I think we can split the difference. Royal Rumble win in 2010. Then at Mania... He defeated Jericho for the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. Then at 2011, he retired oh, it's 11. after the Del Rio match. Yeah. There you go. Uh, also from the Observer, Shaquille O'Neal will be the guest GM on Raw in Washington. At least that's the current major sports star that will get them some mainstream publicity out of the show. Got a little bit of talk outside of wrestling the day after the announcement, but far less than I'd expected. But it should pick up as the show grows closer and they start pushing it harder. They should be careful to put lift in show's boot. Big shows, that is. Mm. Or keep the two apart. My gut is they can't keep the two apart because people want to see them together. But show has to at least be as tall as Shaq or at least be visually or it'll hurt his giant aura. That's the reason why Vince Sr. and <laughs> Jr. would never allow tall NBA players near Andre the Giants. Mm. Uh, one, Monte Ball came to a show and wanted to meet Andre and they legit freaked out over fear <laughs> that someone might shoot a photo of them together. Yeah. You want to keep that kayfabe alive. When Hogan's name was brought up as a raw guest GM spot, Vince immediately shot it down. Probably the right business move. Wasting Hogan's return for anything other than an angle to lead to a SummerSlam or Mania makes no sense at this point. I hated the celebrity guest oh, host era. Awful. Horrendous. Yeah. We had that's one, why I was so into TNA. Two good ones. Bob Barker and the Muppets. Yeah. The story behind uh, the pretty Ricky character, that I actually read this bit out to uh, Pete and Tempest in the office because I was like, this sounds like an awful work environment. Mm. The story behind the pretty Ricky character that Ron Killings has been doing on SmackDown is this. When he was in TNA, he'd put in fake teeth and joke around and do a character in the hotel room and everyone saw it. He got it off the Martin Lawrence show as that was one of his characters. He was doing the same thing in WWE and Vince found out about it and loved it. Even though a lot of the people think it's a potential career killer, Vince brought him into a booking meeting unannounced and had him do his routine in front of everyone. The description of the scene is that Vince was popping so big for everything he did, and so everyone else started, even though not everyone was oh. impressed. So right now, it has to be on TV. Oh my God, that's so cringy. Isn't it? 
just a, a room full of writers who are like, this feels exploitative and stereotypical. Oh, but the boss is laughing. Ah, <laughs> it is ah, funny though, isn't it? Because you can imagine Vince laughing so much at it. I, I, I think Vince's love of our truth is there's something quite sweet it's there. It's got sweet. Or, although potentially also quite, quite complicated and steeped in, mm. in a, what's the word? I don't want to say the big word, but <laughs> <laughs> you know it's on. Yeah, you know, you it's know. on that road. You'll pass. You'll pass the word I'm talking about yeah. on the road to the other thing. The big, the big word. I'm just going to leave this last little bit of news here before we get into the show review itself, because <laughs> I think this is might be the most devastating bit of news for you on this month's episode. TNA cut Rudy Charles. Oh my God! This. I was at the end for the main event, and it's Andrew... Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas. And I was like, where's Rudy? Yeah. And then I thought, this is one of the shittestly refereed shows I've ever seen. Charles, 31, the TNA senior referee, has been there since the beginning and had a lot of other jobs in the company besides refereeing, including timing the shows with Mike Tanay. The issue was that he wasn't living in Orlando and wasn't going to move down there, and it wasn't worth it to continually fly him since they're back to cost-cutting mode. People were shocked, though, since he was so tight in the office. Tight! Tight! That is such a reckless release. Like, if he's that important... Yep. Um... Like it's it's better to just pay a little bit extra, even if you're in cost cutting mode. Yeah, exactly. You need to protect the the best things. Ah, uh, oh, wow! I felt I felt his absence. I didn't know that. There you go. So does he ever come back, or is this no, when he goes over to WWE? How quickly does he go to WWE? Should is, I find is, out? Does, does Rudy Charles have a Wikipedia page? If not, if not, his uh, your he does uh, under Dan Egler. <clears throat> He's forty five years old. He's from Indiana. Um, so he, uh, goes round the independent circuit for four years. He has one brief appearance at TNA in 2011 on the Thanksgiving Day episode. And he just appeared in some segments with Eric Young and Robbie E. That sounds about right. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they had a nice day. And then he joined WWE in 2013. So probably a rough four years there, losing your, your sort of main gig. Damn. He's doing all right now. Yeah, good on him. The uh, feedback in The Observer. Thumbs up. Zero. Point nine percent. Round it up. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> uh, thumbs in the middle, 18.8. Thumbs down, 80.3. Best match went to Angle and Foley, and the worst, of course, uh, went to Beer Money. No, it went to Beer <laughs> Dave would write, Victory Road, which may have been the worst pay-per-view show the company has ever done, only had some minor changes from the original scripting with Jarrett not there. The plan had always been in place to build the show around the main event mafia, winning all the major titles, which was the reason why the Homicide versus Suicide X Division title match was pulled from the show, since that would interfere with the main story they were telling. When the Mafia angle started months ago, the idea was for them to win everything at first, then build for the TNA frontline to make their recovery. The original thought is that they had to make strong heels first to make uh, to make the baby faces. The, con uh, the conceit, <clears throat> the concept was copied from the NWO, offshoot of which Dutch Mantel booked successfully in Puerto Rico. However, the frontline became so synonymous with losers that the idea was <laughs> dropped. 
Yeah. This show was an attempt to go back to square one and give the babyface side the benefit of having Sting as the top gun to go with Foley and Jarrett. The pep talk segment during the show with Foley talking to Beer Money and AJ was scheduled to be Jarrett in the role. There was also a doctor in that they wanted more clean finishes on the show. Right now, it's Vince Russo and Mantel in charge, but no one knows where it will go from there. The show was a classic example of how the mentality of the company has changed over the past years. When TNA started doing three-hour pay-per-view shows, they quickly garnered a reputation of doing the best pay-per-view shows in the business. The reason is that, at the time, those in charge made, the pri- made that the priority. Matches were put together with their mentality of having mostly good matches on a show. If for storyline reasons there had to be a bad match, an attempt was made to balance it out in other ways on the show. Even in recent years, when it's become clear that they've dropped... <coughs> Excuse me. <gasps> uh, thinking of Don Callis. Hmm. Even in recent years, when it's become clear that they've dropped all pretense of putting on great matches, the timing, which is the job of Mike Tanay, has always been to give the matches that on paper would provide the best action more time, and the matches that will look bad as little time Mm -hmm. as possible. The show looked bad on paper. Because (laughs) of that, there wasn't one match that you could point to and give 20 minutes to pick up the slack for the other bad matches. What do you make of the concept of this is the darkest timeline, the whole show's built around the main event mafia, winning all the belts? I, yeah. I, I didn't mind it. But then again, like, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm not coming into this. Or rather, I'm coming into this three months into this, whereas opposed to the story that's been going mm. on for nine. You know? Yeah. So, like, maybe nine months into this story when the main event mafia just win back all of their belts again. And TNA just getting nothing out of this. Like, it didn't make TNA look good. And I don't... I think if this is, like, angle one of this main event map story, great. Nine months into the story, I think, is where maybe it's an issue. Yeah, if it's three months in, so you've got that first third of the story, and that happens, oh, my God. And then the... the, or, Or, you know, the first half of the story concludes with that, and then it's up to the the front line to come back in an end game mm-hmm. get the the babyface comeback thing that works but like a lot of the infighting already like matt morgan trying to join them samoa joe joining them which sting. just doesn't fit the sting stuff it just overall it's too muddled to get over that really good concept because i do i I like the main event mafia. I think it's a great concept, mm-hmm. and I think they were awesome. Um, largely, they couldn't wrestle. Yep. <laughs> apart from Kurt. Yeah. But I like. I thought they presented themselves really well around that, and I think there should have been a point in the story where they all won the titles. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, really, it just it, the way TNA booked it does bury TNA. Yeah. It's like WCW booking their storylines to bury WCW. And it's, I, I think, the Sting thing. But bear in mind, our TNA journey on Wrestle Extra started with Sting winning the leadership, the godfathership mm. of the main event mafia. And here we are two months later, and he's out of the group. Yeah. Because apparently you can just, they could have just kicked him out all along, even though he's the leader of the group. I, I get it, there's a lot of it that doesn't quite add up. And it almost, all of a sudden, Sacrifice was now a worthless show. And Slammiversary was actually the show because that's the one where Angle wins the belt mm. with the help of Samoa Joe. You know, you uh, you kind of recognise later on maybe the blinders or the Kool-Aid you were drinking. And I remember just being so irate all the time at WWE for them not sticking to their stipulations. 
but I was always like, TNA's where it's at. Like, the storylines are great, characters are great. But yeah, you're right, they don't stick to anything. Nope. Uh, Kurt Angle, by the way, uh, has a, a groin pull in the main event. Um, which he uh, he suffered that while filming fight scenes for an MMA role that he's playing in a movie. Which is that Warrior? I don't know if that is Warrior. Might be. Well, he uh, is he a Warrior? The Tom he, Hardy one. Yeah, he's the he's the final boss. He's a Cause Russian. Because that's like 2010 ish. So it might be that uh, Warrior movie. What a movie? Yeah, 2011. Oh, 2011. Maybe it's not that. Mm. But he is an MMA. Yeah. Final boss. Uh, Mick Foley, who is limited but is usually smart enough to camouflage those limitations, went in with the idea of providing a gimmick-free match. While it is far from the usual angle pay-per-view quality, it's the only above-average match on this show. <laughs> AJ Styles had, his work, had to work a long match with Kevin Nash. Team 3D was left with Brutus Magnus in a weak finish. Daniels and Morgan in a match that just didn't work. Beer Money had Scott Sunner and Booker T in a decent match, but a finish that came off flat. Mm. And Samoa Joe had Sting, who forgot the finish. <laughs> The show storyline was the main event Mafia was going to win all of their matches clean. However, the last two matches ending with Sting and Foley tapping out was shocking. That wasn't the idea. Sting was supposed to get pinned after a muscle buster, but allegedly forgot the finish. Joe twice tried to get Sting up for the finish, and Sting deadweighted him. He didn't even try a third time, called his own audible, and put Sting in a choke and called for Sting to tap out. Foley, who'd done a promo building on the idea that he hasn't tapped out a match since 1991 and that he may lose but would never tap out, did that promo apparently to set up the shock of him tapping in the finish. People are, un mm -hmm. are unhappy with the idea that Foley tapped out effectively was diluted by the fact Sting had done so in the match prior. It also made the babyfaces come off weak in a business where top babyfaces rarely tap out and only do so to have a huge impact or if they're somehow cheated on. The last time TNA booked the Mafia this strong and made the faces weak, it resulted in the faces getting booed and the heels getting cheered. The idea was to go back to that again. And mm. It's hardly going to be a surprise when the result is the same. The show also featured one of the worst pay-per-view matches in history <laughs> with Charmel versus Jenna. <laughs> the match looked terrible on paper and no one has been able to get an explanation as to why it was booked in the first place. They'd been building a TV program, but it's not like anyone was clamoring for the match, and there were ways to do it while hiding them in a mixed tag might have only done a few carefully planned spots. Maraska's performance may have been the worst since Jackie Gadia's TV debut on Raw coming off Tough Enough, also on our list. Mm. Uh, actually, it was worse than that since Maraska couldn't even run the ropes in a straight line and her slaps <laughs> were among the worst in history. Charmel has had some training as she wrestled some gimmick matches in WCW when they were dying and went to OVW to train to be a wrestler in WWE before she was let go. But why on earth did they have her wrestle in an evening gown? It's like they were handicapped to begin with and only made things worse. Not only does her wearing a gown limit mobility, but the material on the gown was falling all over yeah. the ring, making them appear second rate. And this is where Brian Alvarez said, it was a tumultuous week backstage and it led to TNA's worst pay-per-view since Heroes of Wrestling in 1999. Yes, this is worse than December to Dismember, which is the pay-per-view many people are comparing this to. That show at least had a three and a quarter opener. This match had, uh, there was no show in this match above two and a half stars. Most were significantly worse and one was a genuine, honest to God, minus five star battle among the worst matches I've ever seen in my whole life. I mean, everything was wrong with this show. The matches sucked, the booking sucked, and there were a few matches that looked like they were going out of their way to be good and then fell apart at the finish. I see matches fall apart all the time at the finish on indie shows, but not supposed, not supposed major league pay-per-view events. You never see shit like this happening on WWE pay-per-views, much less in half of the matches on the card. Hmm. Yeah, it's mad that because I wasn't engaging with the quote dirt sheet stuff, 
I was in ignorant bliss. Yeah. I thought this was, yeah, cool. Main event Matthew have got all the belts. Probably felt a bit weird about all uh, the frontline people losing. When do the Dudley boys join the front, the front line? I mean, it must be coming up soon. Do they have a match? Is it like a lockdown match that they do? Mm. What's, what's, what's the Bound for Glory main event this year? Because I remember being so into it when the Dudley boys joined the front line. So maybe, maybe I am like, uh, I am really super into TNA. Well, and I enjoyed this show at the time. The next pay per view is um, Booker and Steiner versus Team 3D for the TNA tag titles. So maybe Team 3D joined them. Uh, after this, or may are they already because they're babyface, but they've been babyfaces for a while. Yeah, because the next, uh, then after that, it's um, no surrender, and it's beer money and Team 3D versus the main event Mafia and Lethal Lockdown. Hmm. So it must be around this time that they join the front line, no. but not yet. But not so yet. yeah, I remember when they joined them, I was like, "This is the best angle ever." Yeah, and then the um, uh, they do also do a Full Metal Mayhem match at uh, Bound for Glory, which is. British Invasion and Team 3D against the main mm. event Mafia and Beer Money Inc. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, here we go. During the following weeks, so we're talking early November. Oh, no. That would have been before them. They turned heel and aligned themselves with Rhino in a battle against the younger talent of the company. And that's when they add Jesse Neal. Right. Yes, Jesse Neal becomes part of the group. Yeah. Before oh, I'm ashamed. Ink, ink. <laughs> I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> I loved all of this. Yep, loved all of it at the time. I'm not going to hide it. Um, well, what an intro video package that we had for this show as well. Look in my eyes. What do you see? Look in my eyes. Look in my eyes. Look in my eyes. I will become. I will become. I will become. Yeah, so it's just loads of wrestlers. Reading the same script, intercut between them. Yeah. That's fun. But the problem that I think of this, they're talking about sacrifices. That was the paper <laughs> two months ago, lads. They should be talking about journeying to victory. Victory, yeah. That's what, yeah. We're on the, on the road to victory. Because mm-hmm. as we've talked about earlier, this show is all about the main event mafia winning all of the belts. That's that they want total domination uh, across this show. And we are back in the impact zone after last month being away from the impact zone. And Mike Tanay opens us up being like, this show is all about the main event mafia going for all of the titles, but we're actually going to start with a different title. <laughs> Angelina love versus Tara. Yes, for the Impact Knockouts Championship, sorry, the TNA Knockouts Championship, uh, we saw this last month mm. with Angelina Love and Tara, so here's the rematch. However, the, when we break things down uh, with the... with the Tail of the tape, this it's, one? It's just the tail of the tape. Uh, Tara's mind games upsets the beautiful people. Mm-hmm. That's because Tara joined the company. My Pie Sexy poisons mm. tara has a spider now yeah so to even the odds of angelina loves faction having three people in total uh tara's got a tarantula yeah but it's a real one unlike eric rowan's yeah <laughs> but much smaller way smaller it's way less impressive than eric rowan's one. no one ever stomps on it do they <laughs> uh and she kisses it yeah it's really hokey 
Oh, yeah. It feels like... Because uh, I like Tara. I remember this happening. Because when Tara debuted, I was like, oh, cool. She's awesome. Great finisher. She feels like... I love the beautiful people, but, you know, they credibility-wise, they don't back it up. So it's good to put them against people like Awesome Kong or Gail Kim or, mm. or Tara here. And then when they added the tarantula, you know, at the time I still loved it, but I do remember just going a little bit hollow behind the eyes yeah. and thinking... Bro, oh, you got to have a character, bro. Yeah. How can you get over if they don't know what you's about? So we're going to get you a spider, bro, and that'll get you over. Yeah. I feel like Tara already had a character. <laughs> what, what Russo means there is you need a, a dumb prop. Yeah. <laughs> I think he often confuses character yeah. with a costume mm -hmm. or a prop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the last one, and this is the big twist in the tale, is impromptu impact match leads to new champion. Tara's going into this match as the champ. Yeah, so just have her win at the pay-per-view the previous month. Yeah, maybe. Because love, what happened there? Love, so love took on Tara. Lo and love what? Love one. Because remember, we had that 411 review that was like, Tara will get her time. Now's not the time to be putting the belt onto her. Mm. But a couple it, of weeks later. A couple of weeks right? later was the time. <gasps> have you got the 411 reviews again? We'll come to that in <gasps> Uh, I watched this show on the train, so I did have to <laughs> skip the entrance of the beautiful people so as to not look weird. Mm. So I don't know if anything interesting happens uh, in it. Well, I, I watched it. Uh, I had to watch it a few times just because I thought you might not be able to watch it. It's very sexy. <laughs> you, can't, you can't deny that. Mm. that The whole gimmick's sexy. The whole gimmick, they're literally beautiful people. Yeah. Um, and they do, Angelina Love and Velvet Sky do the standard prolonged bend down over the second rope to enter the ring and there's a lot of focus on them and then they go up to the the corners and Madison reigns with them remember she's in the ring when they're doing the entrances and she goes over to the second rope that they've just gone through and starts to do her own sexy Andra, Andrade El Idolo pose mm -hmm. on the second rope laying down camera immediately cuts away from her <laughs> to go back to love and sky on the turnbuckles not you <laughs> it felt really mean girls <laughs> so uh i enjoyed a lot of don west on this show mm -hmm. particularly because early doors uh angelina love wants a timeout she's like timeout timeout and then he was like there's no timeouts in wrestling and west just goes well can't hurt to try <laughs> He's on fire from the start because yeah. he's like the certain acts that he works really well commentating on and the beautiful people are yeah. great. Uh, Tara whips love over her like back. So she has her sort of in the neck like a uh, hangman spot, mm. but then whips her over her own head using love's hair. It's actually quite cool. Well, Tara's great. Yeah. Uh, Tara knocks down the other beautiful people and West calls that unfair and <laughs> cheating. <laughs> and then, but that distraction allows love to take over who targets the back. They I think it's because Velvet hairsprayed. Oh, no, that's a bit later. Sorry. Yeah, that's just like for the heat and stuff. Uh, they do a double town, but Tara's up first and starts a comeback. Her standing moonsault is so good. Her standing moonsault is beautiful. Mm. It's really, really impressive. The jiggle salt, I believe, is what they end up calling it. Why? Well, because she stands there. She like jiggles her whole body up. And mm. sort of like it sort of vibrates up her body and like sort of poses. And then she does the moonsault. She eventually learns where the hard camera is and, and does it towards that. Um... Tara gets a roll-up after the beautiful people botch using their hairspray, but the referee's distracted, ejecting Sky and Rain. Tara goes for the moonsault and misses and hurts herself in the process. And that's how Angelina Love pins her. Yeah, Angelina makes the pin, 
not using the finisher. It's just Tara missing the moonsault. Tara gets her foot on the ropes before the three count, and the referee doesn't see it, even though he is perfectly positioned to see it. Yeah. Uh, and then calls for the result. And I'm pretty sure in the process of getting up after making the three count, he looked directly at the foot <laughs> on the ropes. The referee here is Slick Johnson. Of course it's Slick Johnson. And he is the shittest referee. The internet hated Slick Johnson. Mm. Two reasons. Number one, not a great referee. Number two, he wore sneakers. And, and sh- uh, number, actually, number three, shorts. He wore sneakers and shorts. Oh, yeah. There's a 9 a.m. fire alarm test. <laughs> oh, it's, it's Scott Steiner. <laughs> Holler if you hear him. Even though that, I always get a bit worried, though. Even though I know there's a test, they've told me there's going to be a test. Yeah. And they're, well, I mean, they're 20 minutes late. Yeah. Well, hopefully it isn't a fire. Yeah. We'll go down with the ship. <laughs> Rather than the string quartet playing on, on the Titanic, yeah. the modern version of that is two white guys in their thirties doing a podcast on wrestling. <laughs> At least we do what we love doing. Do, do we? <laughs> should we just keep this in? I think we'll, just keep, we'll keep all of this in. I might, I might trim it down somewhat. There, there, we, go. Hey. there we go. That's not too uh, obtrusive. Um, yeah. So Slick Johnson, whole point of a referee is that. You don't notice them, but they're always there. You know, they, they can somehow, you're like, oh, wow, this song's really good. You can't isolate the bass, but the bass is doing a lot of the work there, yeah. you know. Um, so that's why I love Rudy Charles, because I will forget he's there, and then certain kick-out spots will make me really excited, and then I'll realise it's because he's there holding his face as well. Mm. Like, oh, my God. Or uh, Red Shoes, when he tries to... Um, like ask people like you should tap out. Yeah, you're like I'm. I'm worried about you. Uh, That's why Aubrey Edwards is great. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. I, I don't get it so much with Aubrey Edwards, but those two in particular. Um, but Slick Johnson just always felt like he was trying to get himself over. Yeah, which is not the role of a referee. Well, you're not going to enjoy this show because he's about to become a character. Yes. in this storyline. Yes, and the booking of him and his performance makes him look shit. It makes the refereeing just as a profession look rubbish. And it makes the whole promotion look terrible. Yeah. And it's also just, let's point out again, the finish of this is that Tara Mr. Moonsault and Angelina Love pinned her for three seconds. Tara got the foot on the ropes. Tara, I mean, yes, uh, decided not to kick out, <laughs> decided to lay flat on her back and put her foot on the ropes. She put too much faith in the refereeing decision. She thought... I'm not going to exert all that energy on a kick out. I can just put my foot on the ropes. I know the ring positioning. So uh, afterwards, Tara knocks down Slick Johnson and hits the widow's peak on Angelina Love. Who's the real winner here? It's mm. Angelina Love. <laughs> uh, and then she goes and gets Poison, the spider. And she goes to put it onto uh, Angelina Love, but Sky and Rain run back down to the ring and pull her out. And the crowds then chant, starting, uh, start chanting for Slick. So she puts the spider on Slick instead, who freaks out. Yeah, he looks goofy. I don't, you know, sometimes uh, you enjoy the heels getting their goofy comeuppance. With him, I was just like, oh, I'm over this. I don't, yeah. don't enjoy you even getting punished. 
And then I just got really worried that she was going to drop that spider while she's trying to pose with it. Because she's there like, I need to pose with this on the hard camera. So she's like flailing her arms around trying to like keep the spider from running away. And I was like, we need to get the spider back in the cage because that's going to get loose. Mm. Do we know if Tara likes tarantulas? You know, like how yeah. uh, Jake the Snake actually didn't like snakes and was quite scared of them. Uh, I don't know. I think she's got a spider's tattoo. Okay. So I think she's okay with it. All right. It's probably well, her own spider. That is the character then. So... Uh, Dave Meltzer actually had quite a lot to say about this um, <laughs> would say it's pretty hard to pull this off when they just did a pay-per-view angle in the Daniels versus Suicide match where they showed the finish on the big screens and then restarted the match remember we watched this uh, only a few months oh, ago oh yeah because yeah. I haven't a sacrifice they did two spots later in the show on that the first one Johnson admitting he had blown the call and he couldn't get the change the ruling like referees have never done that before in TNA but he was going to Jim Cornette to campaign for Tara to get a rematch but later in the show in just an embarrassingly bad spot Lauren was in the women's locker room oh. to interview Tara when Johnson came out of the shower putting his shirt on but then Rain came out of the same shower area Keep in mind, she was fully clothed with not a hair <laughs> out of place. But the implication was they were supposed to be going at it and she was doing sexual favors for him. Not good, but acceptable given that this was a women's match, star and a quarter. Hmm. Brian Alvarez would say, Tari yelled at referee Slick Johnson after the match, pointing out that her foot's been on the ropes. Even though he had perfect view with an instant replay, he yep. refused to overturn it. Whatever happened to Jim Cornette? She gave him a super kick afterwards and he sold it like she was HBK and then she got the spider. The rest of the beautiful people pulled Angelina to safety so he could, uh, so she put the spider on Johnson. The best part is that Johnson apparently was pinned down by this spider. Mm -hmm. It crawled all over him and then Tara grabbed it and Johnson ran for his life. Two stars. Yeah, whatever. I am sad to report that our boy Ronnie, who did the 411 review last month, did not do the review for this ah. one. Instead, it's Larry Sonka. Oh, well. Who's great, Yeah, but he doesn't offer up opinions. He just gives star ratings. Sadly passed. Sadly passed. So I've actually got two different 411 reviews for us. One written in 2009 after the show had aired, and one written in 2011 as part of the Furious Flashbacks crew. Okay. So Larry gave this star and a half. But the Furious Flashbacks also gave it a star and a half and said, kind of sloppy, but since they went from Kong to pretty girls, that was to be expected. I'm sure Tyrell will be a better competitor once she's up to speed again. I was always a big Victoria fan. Hmm. JB is backstage with the oh, main... Oh, you've uh, missed out all the moving match graphics oh, when I've... they run down the card. I've Hot e damn. I've even written here, Tanae and Wes run down the card with all of their moving graphics. Do you, want to... Do you have a particular favourite moving graphic? Uh... No, all of them. <laughs> I just, I love them so much. I like Sting's. Sting's like a lot of screaming in his. Yeah. Which is, I think he's always good. I am here in the locker room of the main event mafia, TNA World Heavyweight Champion Kurt Angle, set to do battle tonight against Mick Foley. But first, Kurt, let me ask you something. Tonight's a big opportunity for the main event mafia. In fact, it was nine months ago, Kurt, that I was in a hotel room in Las Vegas where you formed the main event mafia that night. You made a proclamation that this group of all world heavyweight champions, all champions in one group, would dominate the professional wrestling world. Kurt, tonight is the night where your prophecy comes true. JB, do you think I'd be shooting my mouth off for the past month if I wouldn't be backing up my words? You see, unlike others, I do back up my words. Mick Foley doesn't stand a chance tonight. And I want to warn all of you out there that are watching on pay-per-view. Do not expect a quality pay-per-view match from me tonight. I repeat, do not expect a quality pay-per-view match because you're not going to get one. 
because I am going to maul Mick Foley as quickly as possible. You see, Mick, you're not going to be out there with a Sting or an AJ Styles. You're going to be out there with the best ever. And I don't care what you've done in this business. I don't care that you got your ear ripped off or you had legendary Hell in a Cell matches or you do charity work for kids or you go over to visit the troops and entertain them. None of that matters to me. All I care about is being the best. And to throw another bombshell, Joe, Kevin, Booker, and Scotty, if I do not get a clean sweep from you guys, if you guys don't win by either pinfall or submission, I will walk out there on the spot and fire you. I repeat, I will walk out there on the spot and fire you. Do you understand? No fun, no games. It's total domination. Let's do it. JB is backstage with the main event mafia, and he points out that uh, he was in the same hotel with Kurt Angle nine months ago when he put together this group, this group of former world mm. champions. And the idea was they were going to take over and run this promotion. And Kurt Angle says, in so many words, I'm not going to have a good match tonight. <laughs> <laughs> the quote is, don't expect a quality wrestling match against Mick Foley. Um, he, he's sort of saying that kayfabe-wise, I'm just going to kick those, the crap out of him and beat him really quickly. Um, but it is also quite a smart pro wrestler way of saying, eh, it's going to be a bad match. I'm just going <laughs> to protect my reputation. <laughs> but he, this way he makes the proclamation to the rest of the group. He wants a clean sweep. If you do not win, you're out of the group. So if Nash doesn't win the ledge title, he's out. If Samojo can't beat Sting, he's out. If Booker and Steiner can't win the tag titles, they're out of the group. Actually, really good stip. It, it adds significantly more pressure and stakes to every one of the matches. Yeah. I would have, I would have done that on TV. Yeah, oh, added yeah. that stipulation because that's a major selling point for the pay per view. Yeah, particularly like later on when Nash then goes like, oh, "I'll retire if I don't win this match." <laughs> <laughs> Dave Meltzer. Everyone's say, just coming up with their own stipulations on the day. Dave Meltzer would say it was nice to tell everyone what the finishes were ahead of time. Oh, I thought. Um, I, I didn't think that. I, I didn't think that. I, I think you could uh, you could have lost a member or two from from the match, and even by the end, I th I thought it was unpredictable in that you know when a faction has a clean sweep and they win all the belts, you're like, well, maybe that's setting up that the the top guy loses it. Yeah, Kurt was the one who issued the challenge. It's a bit of comeuppance there. Very good. Uh, arrogance, comeuppance, but uh, no, 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 no. They, 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 they won it. They won yeah, it. They, they win everything. Yeah. Up next, it's Matt Morgan oh, yeah. versus Christopher Daniels. The anatomy of a superstar. His DNA loaded with a desire to dominate. I am the very DNA of TNA. A blueprint for the perfect warrior. I am 7 feet 330 pounds without an ounce of fat on me. His dismantling of opponents bears the efficiency of a well-oiled machine. That's a blueprint, Matt Morgan, taking it to Daniels in the back. Well, he's making sure that Daniels doesn't come out and help AJ in any way, shape, or form. His objective to join the main event mafia. Champion or no champion, I'll guarantee that this guy right here, the blueprint, is getting in the mafia. But first, he must prove himself worthy. My patience is really thin. So, it's about time you make the right decision and make that right decision quickly. And now, 
the TNA veteran Daniels stands in his way. Will the hungry blueprint Matt Morgan be able to prove to the Mafia that he belongs among the elite? Matt Morgan is here to make his time now. Now. Right, so um, I was a bit down on, uh, on Matt mm. last month. You famously said you did not want to have sex with <laughs> his cloned female, female version, version and while you were also a version of Matt Morgan. Yeah. I've written my first note here. We get more about Morgan's DNA. Quick, someone clone him. <laughs> there was no live chat for this oh, uh, pay-per-view, so I couldn't, couldn't see the real-time sexual fantasy thoughts <laughs> of the, the people in the chat. So the story is here that he still wants to join the main event mafia. That storyline is not progressing much. <laughs> um, and he's literally telling Angle to just do it. And the way he's going to prove that he can do it is by beating up some of these TNA originals mm. like AJ Styles. And uh, in this one, Christopher Daniels. And he, in fact, injured Christopher Daniels going into the pay-per-view. Yeah, well, let's see if Morgan can carry Daniels to a good match. <laughs> All right. Okay, so I, I copped to this uh, to Ollie. Uh, a couple of days ago. Copped his. Confessed. Confessed. I uh, I went into this match with not a lot of expectations. It is Matt Morgan and uh, and it's Christopher Day. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, Ollie is doing the checks watch ding of the elevator bell. Yeah, I'm waiting for, for, for the uh, elevator. I'm waiting for you to join me on the top floor. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm going to push the button and wait for the elevator to come towards me. I was fully ding. expecting this match to be quite rubbish. I thought this match was awesome. So much fun. This match was great. Uh, perfectly worked. Yeah. Daniels just bumped around and sold for Morgan. He, Morgan didn't take a bump for ages. He had his working boots mm. on, did Christopher Daniels. Like him and his mustache were oh, doing the work mustache. of three men. He was bumping around like a madman to try and put over Matt Morgan here. And Matt Morgan... I thought his selling of being a big man was dead good when like Daniels is throwing everything at him to take him off his feet. He finally hits that like acai moonsault mm. to finally knock him down. And Daniels is so fired up because of that. And then I thought Morgan, like the elbows in the corner yeah. were, were great. I, I thought this was actually, a, I mean, this is my match of the night. You know what? I, I actually, I think the, uh, the beer money match was really good until the end. It's, if you take the ending out, I'd say the beer money match. But yeah, then probably this. Uh, I, I genuinely unironic Matt Morgan fan uh, for wrestling. I don't know what he's like outside mm. of that. Uh, but he he did the. I forgot he used to do this. He did the single leap up onto the apron and the you know yeah. thing that the thing that Brock Lesnar does when he gets into the ring. And I thought that's it. You are the perfect blend of Baron Corbin and Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Brock Corbin. Brock. <laughs> or Baron Lesnar, whichever one you want to go for. I like Brock Corbin. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Daniel's good opponent for him. Yeah. Um, but they work it really, like you said, that spot where Morgan finally takes his first bump to the floor after doing the big oversells but never leaving his feet. That meant that Daniels could fire up. The crowd popped huge for it. Big TNA chance. Mm. crowd were really loud during this match. <laughs> Bearing in mind as well, Morgan like uh, Daniels did a suicide dive <clears throat> onto Morgan, and he just does the big like staggering yeah. back, and it is that split legged moonsault that finally takes him down. I think it's really really good, but when Daniels then does his slingshot, he tweaks the knee. Mm. Uh oh, 
Matt Morgan now has something that he can target. From there, it's just like Morgan domination. And yeah. he just like beats him up. He, do you know what? There was one spot in this that I absolutely loved. I thought this was so, so great. Because he does his, um, his big elbows in the corner, way better than when Nash does them. And he, where is this? He does his leg drop over the, the leg, which mm-hmm. I thought was really, really great. And then, as Daniel's going, he just checks his watch to see if the elevator is arriving. But it's not, it's not time yet. He's just like, oh, I think it's on its way. It's, it's not quite time yet, but the elevator's on its way. Who does that? No one, like, sets up their finisher and then fakes out their own finisher. It's always Drew... Uh, not Barrymore. What was that? Drew Galloway. Drew <laughs> McIntyre. McIntyre. Oh, my God. Why can I remember that one? <laughs> I went Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Drew... I was going to say Drew Claymore. Then, <laughs> <laughs> then I said Drew McIntyre. Drew... Galloway yeah. is his w- current wrestling name. No, it's not. Drew Galloway was oh his name. <laughs> Drew McIntyre is his current Whatever. Wrestling. He'll say, you know, one, two, and then it's cut off. Like, someone else cuts off the finisher for you. I don't, like, yeah, I'm sure loads of other people do it, but yeah. that's a bold move. Because he has the thing where he picks him up for a sidewalk slam and then just drops him. He doesn't do the sidewalk slam, he just picks him up, drops him, then just goes, <laughs> checks the watch. Oh, <laughs> guys. Elevator's on its way. I really think that Morgan has a charisma in the same way that Baron Corbin genuinely has a charisma. Like he can, he's not, he's not the best wrestler in the world, is he? Daniels is though. So them working together is really good. But what has Daniels lacked in the last two pay-per-views we've done? Boring match against Suicide. Yeah. Terrible match against Shane Douglas. Those people are, are they can, you know, Suicide and Daniels, very proficient wrestling match. Yeah. Don't really finish. feel like that, yeah. that doesn't make me feel anything. But this, because you've got Morgan bringing out the personality of Daniels, this is the best Daniels has looked in these trilogy of shows we've done. Easy because he's got character yeah. to play off of, like how Morgan looks better in the ring here, because he's got Daniels' wrestling ability to play off of. And Daniels, then, when he starts making his comeback and he's getting those series of two counts on Morgan, mm. Morgan's selling those two counts so, so great. And Daniels' desperation to continue getting that. But then he hits this DDT, goes for the BME, but his knee buckles out on him and he just crumples. And Matt Morgan, <laughs> <laughs> quick check of the watch there, carbon footprints, and then hoist him up. Last check of the watch. Ding. I think, sorry, just to correct you, you're getting the sequence wrong. You you call the elevator first, <laughs> then you check your watch for the elevator to arrive. Right. <laughs> you sure it's that way? I'm pretty pretty sad. I I'm pretty sure it's look then ding. Should we go to VAR? <laughs> Let's go to VAR. Victory Road 2009. It's Expedia this time. Into in one. TNA wrestling. Was that the... Uh, pub? Okay. Let's pick him up. Got him in. Oh! Oh, you're right. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. You're checking to see if it's time. Okay, one last thing I will say about the elevator. It looks like the move's being reversed. Hey, you don't understand wrestling. 
go, go back. It looks like Daniels has reversed the move. Yeah, like in uh, a flatliner yeah. sort of move. But you're wrong. Um, <laughs> what was the what was the show before this? Slammiversary. And that was against Sting. Sting, yeah. I just want... <laughs> Maybe that's the one time Matt Morgan did it wrong. <laughs> I was like, I'm not this wrong. It's Matt Morgan who is wrong. <laughs> okay, well, where are we? Remember, we've got to get to the finish because he, he also forgets what the finish is. Oh, oh no, he drops down. So you need to go back then because he's Okay, so he's setting up Set, the setting up. Yeah, see look. Okay, so in that one he does ding first and then check his watch. Because that's what you do for an elevator. You don't look at your watch first and then call the elevator. See, I thought it was just it was like, yeah, it's time. Ding. Yeah, I Because he was checking under- his watch throughout the, the, the match. I've always understood it <laughs> as a little cocky taunt. I'm going to press the button for the elevator. I'm so good. I'm going to wait for the (laughs) elevator to arrive. Boring, right? Now I'm going to kill you. What I particularly love about this as a gimmick is that it's it's one extra bit. It's not like, you know, Matt Hardy goes, ah, before he does like his leg drops or the twist of fate or something. Matt Morgan's like, I could ding. I could also check my watch. What if I do both? (laughs) (laughs) That's... That's his character. Yeah. That like Baron Corbin would do the same thing. And I, I really think they're the same mold apart from, of course, Matt Morgan's more Brock Lesnar as well. <laughs> Brock Corbin. But yeah, I, I thought that was awesome. Star went over, get him in the MEM. But particularly because as well, so the storyline they're going with here is that he's going to have a series of matches with AJ on the next series of uh, TV tapings. Where it's a, a best of three. The winner of that goes into the main event of the next pay-per-view in a triple mm. threat. And Morgan wins that, so this is to give him a big dominating win here. I remember, I, I, I thought they were booking the Morgan Rise really well, uh, but then I remember him having a feud with Abyss, I think, and he stabbed him with a shard of glass or something. I just remember going, like, like when Joe got the machete, I was mm. just like, mm, yeah, I'm sort of over it now. Can we just give a moment to, to recognize how great a name the carbon footprint is for a big boot. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Elevator, carbon footprint. <laughs> He's the blueprint. Yeah. His DNA's in the International Space Station. Yep. Why didn't he get over? I don't know. Well, Dave Meltzer would say, the two didn't work well together. What? The size difference was an issue. What? It started off pretty well, but the crowd was flat later in the match. The idea, since they're setting him up for a possible title match, he had to score a big win. One star. I do not know what Dave was watching there. Brian Alvarez. Morgan can barely lock up. Probably hasn't done a lot of locking up in his career, but seriously. He went for the... Daniels went for the BME, but his leg gave out. It sounded like a bunch of people in the front row laughed about this, and that was sad. Morgan hit the big kick in the elevator for the pin. That was depressing. Star and a half. I don't know where they're getting that from. Larry gave it two stars for... Uh, 411 and the Furious Flashbacks gave it two and a quarter, saying I'll give them bonus points for working the injury into the finish. The match was dull, but I'll take dull and smart over exciting and stupid. <laughs> I uh, I think two and a quarter is fair. Yeah, oh, it's maybe not, oh, two. It's not, yeah, 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 don't, yeah, don't want to get carried away. No, here. no, no. It's the best match of the night, but it is two and a quarter stars. Two and a half at a push. Yeah. yeah. I'm here with Daphne and Dr. Stevie, and I have to ask you, with everything that has happened over the last month between you and the Monster Abyss, from you using a 
a taser on him, to kidnapping Lauren, to drugging him in your office and basically committing acts of violence upon a defenseless man. I have to ask you, Dr. Stevie, why on earth do you think it's a good idea tonight to step in the ring man-on-man, face-to-face with the Monster Abyss? Why, Jeremy? Why? Open up your mind for a second for me. Chris is like a painting. He's that special painting I've been working on for the past decade. Little stroke here, little dab here. But sometimes you need to make bigger brushes. You need to step, so to speak, outside of the painting. So not only tonight am I going to step in the ring with Abyss, my friend Abyss, but I have to. I have no choice but to make this match. No disqualification. Now, now, now I know what you're thinking. Chris is 6'8", 350 plus pounds. Yeah. He's a lot bigger than me. Yeah. But I have one advantage. I respect the mind over the body. And where I dominate Chris is right here. I said it before, Jeremy. I own Abyss. Mind, body, and soul. And when our minds exchange out there in that very ring, everyone will find out who the doctor is and who's the patient. Thank you. I love you. I know. Backstage, Jeremy Borash is with Dr. Stevie and Daphne. We're finished concluding our abyss storyline that we've been doing for the last few months here. So Raven was really only a, a one-shot. It was just a one-time deal. And... <laughs> JP just very casually is just like Dr. Stevie you have drugged Abyss you have kidnapped his girlfriend you've tasted him and you've committed acts of violence against him why do you think this is a good idea? <laughs> and that's the perfect tone for a wrestling interviewer to take yeah not Lauren <laughs> she's so extra who is show. so extra Lauren ends every interview going oh, what? Oh, oh my god <laughs> It's like there's an extra. I see it now. There's an extra in the background of a movie who's talking. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, shut up. I'm trying to listen to the, the people in the scene. You're absolutely right. We should AI all of these background actors <laughs> <laughs> to stop all of this. AI Lauren in every <laughs> movie ever made. If you AI'd Lauren to be like, we need to get rid of Lauren and we just need to have, she would still do the, what? what? Like that would be hard coded into her, her AI. <laughs> So anyway, WCB cuts this promo on a bit saying that I love this, the analogy that he gives or this sort of like, I don't know if it's a simile or whatever it is, but it's like my work that I've been doing with Abyss over the last 10 years, it's been a painting. You know, you walk up to it and you give a little brush here, a little brush there, but sometimes you just need to do some big hard lines mm-hmm. to complete your masterpiece. I thought it was really, really good. Steve is a great promo. And because of that, because he needs to do these big hard lines, he has made this a no DQ match. Now, why would you think mm. that I Abyss is bigger than me? He's stronger than me. He's taller than me. Surely I'm in danger. But I've got him up here. I own his mind, body, and soul. Mind, body, and soul. That's what they keep repeating. Was it so was Stevie's objective? I've never actually been fully clear on this. <laughs> oh, don't worry. They weren't. <laughs> is he trying to cure Abyss of? Wanting to commit violence, or is he trying to turn Abyss into the ultimate violent machine? I think it's to show Abyss that the violence is not the answer. And by doing that, he's putting him in hardcore matches. Mm. 
Okay. And as he walks away, Daphne tells him that she loves him. And he gets the Han Solo, I know. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah. And uh, up next, it is Abyss versus Dr. Stevie. Turn around, Dr. Stevie, and come face to face with the monster. Dr. Stevie, look at my face. Look at what I'm willing to go through to get my hands on you. <laughs> the clock's ticking, Dr. Stevie. And real soon, you're going to be seeing me up close. <laughs> Dr. Stevie hasn't given up on this monster. It may take a little shock therapy here, but in the end, it's for his own good. He's got a taser gun! Good call, Dr. Stevie! Abyss, I treated you for ten years. Hours upon hours upon hours. I own you, Chris. Mind, body, and soul. Dr. Stevie, you tased me! You kidnapped my bestest girl ever, and you drugged me. You know... They treat animals like that. Well, I am not an animal. What I am is one pissed off 350 plus pound monster. Dr. Stevie, we're gonna have one last therapy session together. But don't worry, Dr. Stevie. <laughs> This one's on me. That was a good video package because that is what Abyss is to me. You know, there's lots of periods of goofy Abyss. Like, you know, when you think of Mick Foley, you probably think of more goofy mankind than you think serious Cactus Jack or mankind, don't you? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I like Demented proper full-on crazed Abyss the most. I think that's when he's best. The 350 pound plus pissed off monster. Mm. And he says like, you know, this session's on me. Great line. But you've it's, also... It's, it's not, though, because um, all therapy sessions are on... Like, I have to pay... Oh, you have yeah. to pay for therapy. It's Your therapist doesn't pay you to do a therapy session. So his final line here of just like, we've got one final session, and this one's on me. But <laughs> they've all been on you. I think... Yeah, I, I... Yeah. I think it makes more emotional sense than it does literal. It's like, I ain't got time to bleed. You know, that doesn't make any sense. Badass line. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's saying that Abyss is going to give Stevie a session and don't worry, it's free. Yeah, maybe. Could be that. Uh, I've just written one other note about this video package. Uh, apologies for my language. Some shots of fucking Lauren in the corner <laughs> doing her stupid gurning. She's just like, it's a really good video package. And then she's just there with Abyss going... <laughs> Such an anti-Lauren stance on yeah. this show. Oh, she's so extra. <laughs> her perf look, the, I don't know her as a person, but her performance is someone really should have told her, don't talk and react over people doing their lines. Or was she told to react? It's a fair because, point. Maybe it's not her fault. It, back in this day, it was when WWE backstage announcers didn't have personalities. So they're like, maybe you need to have a personality. Work with Borash, mm. and Borash can tell you. And like Borash is like, what you need to do is you need to be reacting to people. <laughs> and then she's like, okay, what I need to do is act. Mm. So, what? Oh, my what? God. Oh, my God. What? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Later on, with Slick Johnson and Madison Rain is so funny. It's not funny. <laughs> <And> it is. <laughs> I got legit angry 
for so many reasons. <laughs> it's slick. It's Lauren. It's crap booking. It's Angela. It's Madison Rain being like, "Don't you tell anyone in front of a camera that's filming <sighs> it." Oh, what? Anyway, Abyss's brand new gear, and this is the gear that he'll have for the next couple of years. And it's a symbolist. It's a symbolism because it's a symbolism. It's symbolic because he's cutting ties mm. with this storyline now. He's no longer the deranged mental patient. He is starting a new chapter of his life, and he's going to do that by completely beating up Stevie here. And this is... Um, uh, early on, Stevie goes out the ring and gets like a security baton and starts hitting Abyss with it. But then this is just Abyss beating up Stevie. Yeah, because Stevie's hitting him with the baton, and then Abyss just... One big chop, quite a while as well with the ban. One big chop, Abyss just destroys him. And the crowd pop huge because I think all the characters are over. And this, this storyline is actually, I think, a good storyline. Mm. Um, and then Stevie runs away into the crowd, cameras on Abyss, and he's like, he's really happy that he's committing this violence, yeah. throwing Stevie into the steps. It's also at this point as well that Mike Tanay tells you, the audience, uh, Stevie Richards is a wrestler. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's Stevie Richards. <laughs> he's just like, he's, he's got a history of wrestling as Stevie Richards. <laughs> like, he was in that yeah. triple threat at <laughs> WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> that is a deep cut internet thank forum you. joke. Thank you, thank you. Uh, only a handful of people are really <clears> going to appreciate that. Because I, I sometimes say it on shows and I'm like, I don't know how many people are going to really understand that mm. reference. I it's just a, they never did that, did they? That's just no. a joke. Oh, yeah. it's one hundred percent a joke. Yeah. But then you know, everyone did the match graphics for it. <laughs> the joke is WWE's clunky efforts to erase Chris Benoit, rightly so, you might argue, from their sort of archives. And people joke that they're just superimposed Stevie Richards yeah. onto all of those graphics. Um, but yeah, Stevie does a nasty blade job here after being thrown into the steps. Like, it was boom, boom, boom into the corner as well. It looked great. Uh, it was the uh, the Kenny Omega table sell from the uh, the Forbidden Door match. Mm. You know, some people, some wrestlers will put their hands down because that makes a loud noise. Kenny Omega looked at that and said, do you not make a louder noise? My face. Yeah. And I think Dr. Stevie had the same thing. It's like, I could use my hands, but I think my face will make a louder noise. <laughs> um Abyss rips off Stevie's top to do like a huge bare-chested overhand chop. Crowd chants one more time. The crowd, I think the crowd are really loving this. Yeah. Um, they're ready for... This isn't as fun as the previous matches, which have been like really good hardcore bits. Mm. Um, but it's... Oh, look, it's Laurie. Oh, look, it's Laurie. Hi, Laurie. Hi, Laurie. Uh, but yeah, like, I think everyone's ready for Abyss to move on. So it's not like the Bret Hart getting his revenge on Vince and it's awkward and clunky and quite feels quite weird. Yeah. This is like a cathartic abyss just dominating Stevie to move on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it does get a bit sexy as abyss literally strips him down mm. and the chant of crying, uh, chanting for abyss to hit him again. And he, he throws him through a chair, hits the shock treatment, but pulls him up off the two count. I love the shock treatment. It's a great finish, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's bad for your tailbone, but mm. it's a very cool move. Daphne runs down with the taser, but extra Lauren comes down and <laughs> stops her from doing that. Stevie low blows Abyss, but Lauren like powers Abyss up mm. through the power of love. Extraness. <laughs> and Stevie tries to taser Abyss, but I, I love this because Stevie runs at Abyss with the taser and Abyss hits the black hole slam perfectly. Another awesome move. Love, yeah. love the black hole slam, the boss man slam. And so Abyss then gets the taser. 
and he shocks Stevie, and a big puff of smoke comes out of the of the taser. I think it's effective. You like this? I, I don't. Did, did you not like the the smoke? As a, I thought it was like Lauren, a bit extra. Yeah, but it's the blow off to the feud. Yeah, I didn't mind. I thought it was fun. I thought Stevie's selling of it was good because yeah. Stevie literally dies. Like yeah. he literally just goes flat. Uh-huh. The, his life leaves his eyes as he falls backwards and dies, and he gets the pin. And Don West says, "Well, tonight I hope you're proud of your boy." <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very goofy and very silly, but I had fun with it. Lauren and Abyss celebrate because remember that the idea is they they are. Going out? Yeah, they are. They're they, are they, they are dating. They really should. I, I, I know I've just been taking a long time saying that Lauren's too extra. But the one moment she probably should have been extra, where they should kiss here, that's the big, way well, hey, love prevails, whatever, like the monster mm-hmm. and the, the beautiful girl. Yeah. Um, yeah, they should have kissed. <laughs> they just, they just, there feels like no chemistry between them. It should have been Taylor Wilde in the Lauren role. It should have been Because then at least she could wrestle and, and be a counterpart to Daphne. Problem is that she's too busy, you know, dunking on this pay-per-view on her Facebook yeah. page. <laughs> Just think what Abyss does. Abyss, my God, Abyss at the next pay-per-view defeats Jethro Holiday with Dr. Stevie. Uh, that's um, Oh, so it does continue. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately so. Uh, well, it's a $50,000 bounty challenge. That's Trevor Murdoch, mm. uh, for those who are, might be wondering. Yeah. Um, uh, my favourite moment of this match, though, was when Stevie gets busted open and Abyss just does his little clap thing because he's pleased with himself. And Mike Tanay says, well, it could be the end of Dr. Stevie's practice because I've just seen a sign that says R.I.P. Dr. Stevie. Mm. Uh, Dave Meltzer had nothing to say. He just gave it star and a quarter. Oh, wow. uh, and Brian here says, Abyss did, in fact, get rid of the whites. He dressed as a giant low-rent AJ Styles. <laughs> He then saw the taser lying in the ring. People were screaming, use it. So Abyss used it on Stevie's chest. Goofy smoke rose up and he got the pin. That was Wrestling Society X levels of Goofy. A fun little segment of violence. Two and a quarter stars. I think that sums it up well. A fun wrestling segment of violence. Uh, Larry gave it two stars for 411. And the Furious Flashbacks gave it two and a half, saying the storyline made this work. It had an ECW feel. Unfortunately, now they've run out of places to go. The story will drag on for a bit until Foley and Raven get involved. Again, all very ECW-esque. I think the biggest issue they have with Abyss is that he's too dominant for anyone to get a good realistic feud going, unless they're equally big. But if a bigger guy wrestles him, it's boring. Stevie brought the psychology and made this feud interesting. Hmm. You guys know what's at stake here tonight, right? It's all about these. Storm, man, hold on to that thing. We got to, because Kurt's got his guys fired up. He's told them a win isn't good enough. They need, they need one, two, threes. They're not looking to beat us. They're looking to dominate us. And rest assured, I may not have been the best boss in the world, but at least I didn't go messing with your jobs. The truth is, we come back Thursday night on Impact, and those belts, should they all be in the Mafia possession, all of our jobs are in jeopardy, including mine. Storm, Bobby, I watched you guys wrestle a long time ago, a year and a half. You guys meshed, became the best tag team in the world. You've only been a tag team for a year and a half. Remember, when you're in there with Booker and Scotty, these are seasoned veterans. These are guys who grew up on tag team wrestling with brothers, and now they're like brothers. They will work to exploit you, and in their mind, they're going to take you to school. So don't let it happen. Don't let them mess with your heads, because that's what they're really good at. AJ, likewise, we all know about that temper, man. You don't think Nash is going to try to exploit that, try to get you to get hot? I mean, he sees that Legends title. You know how badly he wants that thing. 
I mean, don't sell Kevin Short. Not only is he big, not only is he strong, he's the craftiest player in the game. He will get inside your head if you let him. And please, guys, I'm not saying this is a joke. I'm saying let's take the pressure off, okay? Let's, let's hold on to these championship belts so when it comes crunch time, you're not counting on me to be the sole defender of the honor of TNA. I believe in you. I'm behind you. And tonight, let's do it for TNA. You guys in? You guys in? All right. Let's do it. So this is where uh, Dave was on earlier. This was meant to be Jarrett in this position, but it's actually Mick Foley hyping mm. up the troops, hyping up beer money. Uh, Foley, just a baby face now. Yeah, it's so weird, isn't it? Because he was, I guess he came in as an out-and-out -out heel, but he was, everyone loved him. Yeah. I really enjoyed his character work, uh, but now that kind of nuance has been lost and he's just seems like a tired baby face. Yeah, because his sort of deal here is that, you know, hey, I, I know I've made mistakes. I've come in here. I didn't realize what running a company was really like, and I think I sort of abused some of those powers, but we need to kind of step up and take this company back from the main event mafia. And what he effectively says here, although he is the baby face, was like, I need you guys to win because that takes the pressure off me winning in the main event. Yeah, I'm not that good, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I've retired years ago, yeah. uh, so please win yeah it's a good job we've got me in the main events who doesn't think he can win so we need you guys to <laughs> definitely win what is the kayfabe ownership status of tna at this point well, obviously you got tna founder <laughs> jeff jarrett yeah and he's got his voting shares because that was up for uh in the sacrifice match yeah which he didn't lose so he's which got he uh, let's, let's call them class b stock yeah and then foley has got some stuff mm-hmm Cornette's just management, so he's not an owner of the company. He's just running it, but not on screen. Sometimes referred to verbally. Yeah, he wasn't on this show. Uh, I don't know if Dixie Carter is in character, like an on-screen character or referenced. I feel like she is known. I, I definitely remember knowing the name, but she wasn't on screen. Mm. Uh, that, that sad state of affairs was to come the following year. One of my first ever Twitter follows is... My first three Twitter follows were Dixie Carter, Brian Alvarez, and Yahtzee Croshaw, who does zero punctuation for the Oh, escapers. I used to love zero, but what they followed you. No, no, it's in like those. <laughs> oh, yeah. Started a brand new Twitter profile and just follow him. Dixie Carter. Bing. <laughs> yeah, those were my first three Twitter follows. Uh, so is Jim Cornette, is he, he's not booking anything, right? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's Russo and Mantel. Like I said Pritchard booking. earlier, but it's, Ma it's Dutch Mantel doing the booking yeah with russo but russo is like doing most of it this foley promo though gave me wcw ecw versus wwf invasion vibes mm -hmm. i'm not sure if that's a compliment yeah <laughs> but they're certainly vibes yeah but yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought foley's promo work on this show while the in-ring work was tedious the promo stuff i top not top tier foley but it's just so good the promo on Angle. I am your unforeseen consequence. It's such a good promo later in the show. Uh, but here, like, aside from the, uh, I'm not very good. He did a smart promo, putting over each of the main event mafia's unique threats. Mm -hmm. Even though I would argue Steiner, Booker, and Nash aren't that intimidating if you're beer money or AJ Styles. No, they're only intimidating because of their, their legendary status. Mm. And I, I kind of liked what they do with Booker and Steiner. It's really like, effective, yeah. It's one half of Harlem Heat, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. It's one half of the Steiner brothers, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. 
two tag team specialists joining forces to create this Uber team. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a, my, my dream vision I always had in my head of like um, Jeff becoming a tag team with Bubba Ray Dudley mm -hmm. and like them sort of, you know, one of the Hardy was one oh, of the Dudley boys yeah. becoming a, a tag team together, putting aside their differences over the years. You'd never tell me that. That's quite a fun idea. I thought it would be, yeah. Uh, it, it was something like in, you could have done during the brand split days. Mm -hmm. They opted not to, obviously. Because that's a good idea. <laughs> um, up next, it is Team 3D versus the British Invasion for the IWGP Tag Team Championships. They're not called that. They're the New Japan Tag Team Championships. Well, they're, they're being defended this time, so they have to be called that. <laughs> you would think that after 22 World Tag Team titles, we would have earned just a little bit of respect from the British Invasion. There it is, 3D by 3D. Has got the referee distracted. Wait a minute, Brother Ray up top. Oh my God! Doug Williams gonna get involved as well. Oh! There goes Williams through the table. But look at this! Super kick! Beer Money Incorporated! And they win the tag team title! 3D, they let the British invasion distract them. I guess that's how those bitches roll across the pond. It's a tragedy. We actually thought those boys had potential. Look at the three of us. As a unit, we're the best you've ever seen. Our motivation is simple, to take what is rightfully ours, our place on top of the tag team division. You see, Beer Money had just same problem until Team 3D took them to school. And I guarantee you, you will learn to obey and abide by Team 3D's rules. Brutus Magnus coming over the guardrail from the far side. Oh, knockout blow to the head of Brother Ray. Magnus draping the arm a Booker across the prone body of Brother Ray. And it was the Brits' involvement again, this time that cost 3D. They screwed us at Slammiversary, and they screwed us two weeks ago in the number one contenders match against Booker and Steiner. British Invasion at Victory Road. Me and Devon got one thing on our mind, revenge. So this follows on from the last month's pay-per-view where they wanted respect from the tag team division, but they're getting mm. no respect uh, from British Invasion. And they even they screwed them at Slammiversary. They even screwed them in a number one contendership match against Booker and Steiner. So now they're putting their IWGP tag team championships on the line against Brutus and Doug. Forbidden door. That's why I really love this era of TNA from a today perspective. Because, you know, history is history. Mm. And uh, it's it's solid. It's facts, kind of. But then what, what changes is where you are in the current time period. And it gives you different lenses to look at the past through. So if we were doing this a couple of years ago, we would have been probably talking about, wow, look how New Japan, like, overshoot. They're always treated badly, etc. But now we can look at, it through the AEW Forbidden Door world, we're like, ah, oh, this this has been attempted before. This isn't so unique for AEW. No, but WCW did New Japan crossover shows in the 90s. Yeah. Like, they, there's always been this New Japan uh, North American uh, relationship, whether that be with WCW, whether that be with TNA, or even AEW. It's just Ring w of Honor. Ring of Honor, absolutely. And even then here in the UK with Rev Pro. Mm. Um, I remember like thinking it was very cool that the... IWGP Tag Team Championships were featured on TNA or even defended on TNA shows. Because although I was not watching New Japan, this was in a period of time when New Japan didn't have English commentary. We're still a number of years away from New Japan being readily available for non-Japanese viewers. 
unless you were part of the tape trading scene. But I, I heard a lot about it because I listened to Dave mm. and I listened to Brian and Vinny reviewing shows and uh, I listened to, you know, I read The Observer and I was on the message boards and stuff. So people who were, who were tape trading were talking about New Japan and these sorts of names. So I'm hearing them, but I never get to see them. So all of a sudden, like when they're defending the tags, I was like, that's cool because that's from a different company. Mm. And that's a really big deal because everyone really, like wrestling fans love New Japan. And also there was a lot of, hate at WWE because WWE ignored the existence of all other wrestling. Yeah, just closed off all their doors. Yeah, so when when you see other promotions do it, it's hugely gratifying. Yeah. Um but yeah. Yeah, this uh have you done the taglines? Haven't yet. <laughs> so I think sometimes that this gimmick that they have of breaking things down with three bullet points is is backfires on them if there's not a lot to say. <laughs> For example, 3D Swear Revenge. I've written in brackets here, as previously mentioned, because that's what all the, the video package was about. They want to get revenge on the British invasion. Point number two, uh, the belts are at stake. <laughs> this New Japan title match is a New Japan tag title yeah. match. The third one, I think, is the only one that's actually interesting on this one. And they bring this up a few times in the match potentially career-changing title match. Mm. This is a big opportunity for the British Invasion, this young team, well, yeah, apart from Doug, um, to, to win gold, big gold in the forms of the IWGP. But if Team 3D lose, not only do they lose their belts, they lose their New Japan bookings, which is very important for wrestlers because TNA don't pay their wrestlers <laughs> a lot. Yeah, Nash talks about the bookings later on. I like oh, that Nash side was so funny later. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's classic. For a very different reason. Uh, but nice bit of stakes there. Yeah. That's that's welcome. Uh, yeah, the idea of making them big internationally as well. Uh, the Dudleys immediately hold up the US flag. America. <laughs> the, uh, my first note here is the absolute state of Rob Terry's hair. <laughs> Honestly. It's, uh, but you know, like a couple of years later, you'll have Robbie and Zack Ryder who are mocking that over-the-top New Jersey or sort of the English equivalent yeah. look. Chav. The Chav. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I, uh, it's authentic with Rob Terry, I it's feel. Ex it's acceptable in 2005. Mm. It's 2009, Rob. I think you need to sort that out. You might as well wear a clamshell necklace yeah. while you're at it. It's like when Nigel McGuinness has the frosted tips and the bleached hair and Ring of Honor. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> why? Why did you do that for so long, Nigel? Um, the crowd, you know, British Invasion, it's an American crowd, still chant wanker at them. <laughs> and I like that Danae at one point. So it's like, you know, you've got Bubba Ray Dudley, Devon Dudley, or Brother Ray, Brother Devon, Brutus Magnus, and Doug Williams. And Mike Tanae says, you know, when you think about it, Doug Williams is the best wrestler in this match. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, oh, he's a great wrestler. And he's not lying there. But it is just really funny if Mike Tanae would be like, oh, you know, look, at, look at that ring. Oh, yeah, Doug's definitely the best of these four. I really quite enjoyed the Styles Clash here because mm. the Dudleys are so brawly and hardcore with the tables. But British Invasion really got over their joint manipulation and the technical attacks. There was a period where I think they isolated Bubba and it was just 
they were going around him Love this and spot. doing a submission or hold on each body part yeah. and then they'd change body parts. So like they'd both do ones on the legs yeah. and then Doug would move to the arm and Brutus would move round to the other leg. Yeah. And then Doug would move around to the other arm, and Doug would, and then Bruce would move to the uh, Nick Aldis as well. Mm. Have you seen the the reports with Nick going to WWE? Uh, I yeah, because he's done with TNA post anniversary. Yes. It was a short term deal. He was actually just there to plug his um, like protein supplements or something, and like that was advertised. I go pro. Um, but yeah, the report is that WWE are interested in bringing in Nick Aldis. Dot dot dot. Oh. As a producer. Yeah, I think that's just a loophole to get him round the Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard yeah. thing, and then he can become a character. Because oh, he's so good. But and everyone's like, I mean, he's younger than Cody and, <laughs> and Finn and AJ and Bobby mm-hmm. and Brock and Damian Priest. He's younger than so many guys in the roster, but they're like, I'm bringing him in as an agent, I guess. I see that as a, a political play to get him in the company. And then get him on. I hope you're right. Uh, Another thing, speaking of plugs Mm. for Magnus, I was looking at his hair in this match. (laughs) Yeah. And I was comparing it to this other guy called Nick Aldis. Mm -hmm. I thought, I... When I think of Nick Aldis, I think of a a stronger hairline. Yeah, I was thinking this. And, And this guy is 14 years ago, and he, I think, he's got less hair than Aldis does now. He's got a proper Emmet on him. So I googled Nick Aldis hair transplant and not only did I get some theories or an article going, hey, I think Nick Aldis has had it. Here's some fan-made screenshots comparing the two mm-hmm. lines. There is a full-on video of Nick Aldis and Mickey James Talking about the hair transplant no he way. had on the hair transplant clinic's page. Here we are. We grow hair. <laughs> it's the uh, the a Nashville-based mm. medical group. Okay. Nick Aldis, NWA World Heavyweight Champion, is about to get an artist robotic FUE Ever hair transplant. This is Mickey James. You know, and this has been a, a long time now. I think that. You've always expressed a bit of self-consciousness about your hairline. He and it has the the, the line drawn. Moment, and he couldn't relish or appreciate it because he's constantly, he was sitting there going, God, my hair, my hair. And, and it's unfortunate because these are like really magical moments, are, are defining moments. And it would almost... Looks fine, like, doesn't it? It's crazy. Yeah. reservation about... Because that's pre him getting it done. Because it doesn't look as bad as it does in here in 2009. This is on the day. Because a lot of those moments are made 30 minutes into a match and you're already sweaty and you're already blown up and exhausted. I think that it's been a, uh, a long time coming. It's only a short video. It's only good watch it all. As yeah, well, sure. obviously. And so it was. he was very aware that it was going to be a thing and he just did, you know, never really wanted to shave your head. No. No. If I'd have thought I looked good with a shaved head, I would have. Why does Nick feel like he doesn't want to be there? Because he is crapping his pants. That's why. This is on the day of the procedure. They've just probably told him the bit they don't tell you until the morning. Feeling might not come back. I was like, what? And to be able to go out there and put on the best the best version of yourself. Maybe that'd be good for wrestling though. Give me those chair shots. I'm sure the brain is insulated by this hair. <laughs> I can't feel it now. 
Yeah, so um, I, I mean, I'm not saying this is what happened with uh, Mick Aldis's procedure. That's a totally different place where I got mine done. But uh, there are a lot of... You had one. <laughs> Didn't notice. <laughs> the, uh, there were a lot of, like, MMA fighters, boxers, that scene, like, the, the pictures are all over the website of, of, you know, that. I didn't go in and say, hi, I'm YouTube's Ollie Davis. Mm -hmm. I just paid for the procedure like a schmuck. But afterwards, uh, the consultant is asking me, you know, just chatting because it takes a while for your own blood to spin in a centrifuge to separate out the plasma that they're then going to re-inject back into your head. Cool. He said, oh, so what do you do? I was like, I mean, on YouTube. And, like, oh, right. and then he became really interested. And then he said that they do deals for people all the time. Oh, mate. Do you want us to use your story and stuff on here? It's really good to help. And I was like, I, 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 no, no, I, you know, I, I don't want to make this decision now. I've had quite a stressful day. It was <laughs> after eight hours of people yeah. sticking needles in my scalp. Yeah. Um, the blood on the iPad. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so, yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know if he got a couple of freebies or a discount for yeah. doing that. I, it, it certainly seems like it. I, that's, that, that but he my... it doesn't look like he wants to be nope, there. Does it, it? it really is just Mickey James just talking for two minutes about his hair and Nick's being like, yeah. And just looking down, looking at the floor, and then be like, yeah, well, you know, I'd, I'd have showed my years ago if I thought I'd look good. Yeah. And that, that's his only contribution to that whole thing. I really sympathize with him. He is brick it. If, if I've read the situation right, if it's the day of the procedure, like it said on the caption, he's bricking it. Yeah. As anyone would. Seems scary. Um, and of course, he's not alone in getting it done. Randy Orton had oh, yeah, plugs done. John Cena loads. had them done. John Cena, obviously, he didn't get the ones done <laughs> at the back, but he's, he's only got them done at the front. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, well, that's all you need for the movies. Yeah. Just they, light me right. Yeah, and they can cover that up otherwise. Yeah, put a little spray. little murkin on the back. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I just thought that was That is interesting. Because I did think, I don't remember his hair being like that. Yeah, As yeah. I was watching it, or what more what I thought was, I don't remember his hair looking like that now. Like, I always thought he had quite a good head of hair yes. on him. But he's got yeah. a proper, like, you know, I feel, I, I don't like using this term. He's got an Emmet on him. Because I've got an Emmet. Yeah. That's why I've got my, my shaved head. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I was like, huh. His hair's a lot like Doug's. Hmm. And Doug also did his quite well as well. Like Doug, Doug did all right with his uh, hair, receiving hairline for quite some time. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, this match is fine. <laughs> um, I've got Dudley's go to get the tables. Rob Terry stops them. Slick is the worst fucking referee ever. <laughs> he starts putting down the table and ignoring all the things happening in the ring. It is just such... So referees need to get distracted by objects sometimes. I mm -hmm. get that. But at least do it convincingly. Yeah. He looked like he's never seen or set up a table in his entire life. The amount this object was baffling him. Yeah. Uh, we get the uh, the 3DB, but um, Williams gets to kick out of that. The was up to Aldis. Terry knocks Devon down as Bubba's setting up the table, and then Terry stops Williams getting the Bubba bomb, and he knocks down Williams. 3D to Doug. Team 3D win. Mm -hmm. It was it was a totally fine match. Don West was doing his best to put over um, uh, Williams and Aldis, and just being like. These these are the future of the company. Like this is, these are the young rising stars. Which is a weird thing about Doug because I think Doug's quite tenured at this point. Mm. But 
Bruce, to the Americans, to scene. the Americans, yeah. But like you know, Aldous in particular, he was like, oh yeah, he was their big Very pet great. project. Oh, and it worked out well. I thought it was a great talent spot. Yeah, after seeing him on the revamped English Gladiators. He was meant to be the the next big heel on that. Yeah. Well, as I said, when I did the house show in 2009, when they came into the UK, mm. like um, Ald- Aldous had a match as Brutus Magnus, and Dixie Carter like had him go rounds, you know, in the interval. Like she was almost going around with him to interest be like, he's the next big star, he's the next big guy, because he's English as well. So he taking around to a lot of people yeah, in England yeah. to be like, he's one of yours, and he's going to be the next top guy in our company. Hit Johnny photo taken with him. Mm-hmm. He signed my ticket. Nice. So my ticket, as did Dixie, and I got my photo taken with Dixie Carter. Legendary. Legendary. She's awesome. And then, oddly, after the match, Bashir and Kyoshi run down and attack Team 3D because they've aligned themselves with the British invasion. Wasn't it because they will also be fighting for the the New Japan belts on a New Japan show? Because that's, you know, get the big stars out. Mm. Bashir and Kyoshi. Yeah. Meh. Very meh. Yeah, they put them through a table. Yeah, the Dudleys just swatted them away like it was nothing. Hell of a power. Oh, yeah, it was also, what a great way to put over this future title match. <laughs> <laughs> the Dudleys, barely an inconvenience. And it was a hell of a powerbomb to Bashir going through that table. Yeah, off the second rope. Yeah. Dave would say the match, the early part with De- uh, Williams and Devon was decent, but Magnus was green and they lost the crowd. Crowd was dead until the finish, until they started chanting for tables. One star. I think that's a bit rough, but yeah, it wasn't an amazing match. Brian was slightly more positive. I'm wondering if any match on the show is going to break the two and a half star mark, but it's not looking promising. Two and a half stars. Larry gave it two, and 411's Furious Flashback said, The Dudleys at their lazy worst. Not only did they look bad, but they made their opponents look even worse. It's a pity because it's not, it's a pity because they've been like this for some time. They'd been earning respect, but uh, they'd been earning respect, but this was shocking. Half a star. Oh, damn. Yeah, the Dudleys around this time, living through it, I remember going like, oh, my God, the Dudleys are the greatest tag team of all time. Yeah. Because TNA did such a good job presenting them that way. They won belts all around the world. They're defending multiple belts, always booked. Um. Well, but, yeah, like, watching it back, the in-ring work is not what I remember it to be. It's, yeah, it's quite basic. Mm-hmm. They they do feel they are resigned to, we're resting in front of a thousand people. Yeah. The same a thousand people, no less, every every time we're doing this. So Maybe, maybe they're a bit bored as well, because yeah. then you get the Bully Ray character, mm-hmm. and then Bubba's just totally reinvented and Absolutely. awesome. Yeah, yeah, he really ups his game in that. But yeah, maybe it is like, you know, the 20-odd time tag champions. Yeah. They've, they've just done through the gimmick of having all of the belts and whatnot. I saw there's been a discussion online recently about uh, this argument that the Usos are the greatest tag team in WWE history. Mm. And a lot of people are arguing against that to be like, I don't think that's that's right because there's the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, the Hardys, um, to a lesser extent, the New Age Outlaws, even though mm. they only had a couple of years run, but they were like huge merch sellers in, in all of that. And I, I kind of get that argument, but you know, the Dudleys run in WWE is only a handful of years. It really is like they join in 99. They're split up by the early 2000s, like 2002, get back together for a short period of time. But then they're gone and yeah. go across to TNA. Hardy's broken up all the time. The Edge and Christian got broken up in 01 mm. and then never really teamed again. The Hardys would often have some reunion stuff, but most of their success has been outside. Mm. Like the Hardys were a much bigger team in Ring of Honor than they were in WWE. Mm, maybe. I don't know. Mm. They were so over in 2000, but like that, the Broken Hardy run. 
felt like. Oh, when, I suppose. When they were like insanely in, young. In a bubble, though. That well, was over in a bubble. It was over in a bubble, but that's what got them that huge pop at WrestleMania. Oh, do you think? Yeah. But, but they came back as nostalgia hardies. But he was doing the delete stuff, and that's what the crowd were joining in oh, with. I guess like, so. it's, it's the hardcore crowd, isn't it, at WrestleMania, mm. who knew of, and know of all the broken stuff and know what, like, Brother Nero and everything. But they also like, loved the, the 2000 run yeah. hardies, all of those films. Well, I'd imagine so, yeah. I, I reckon that was 90% of the I, I think it's a combination of hmm. the two. But I, I think that the Ring of Honor did work, did great for them. But maybe the argument can be made that the Usos are the greatest tag team in WWE yeah, history. Yeah. Slick Johnson, tonight in the TNA Women's Knockout Championship match, many backstage are saying that you made a bad call, which in turn cost the TNA Knockout Champion, Tara, the title. Now in the match, Tara's foot is clearly still on the ropes before the three count. I'm sure you've seen the footage. What was going through your mind after you saw it? I mean, what can I say, Lauren? You know, I made a mistake. And I cost Tara the the knockout title. I feel terrible. But, um, you know, I'm only human. Mistakes are going to be made. You know, it, it, that's just the way it is. I, I was out of position. I clearly did not see her foot on the ropes. But, and unfortunately, that's, that's just the way it is. And that's, the ref's decision is final. But uh, I tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to Mr. Cornette, and I'm going to recommend that Tara gets a rematch at the appropriate time. So, you know, Tara, I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, Tanae wants to address the controversy from the opening match. Although, from it being crap. Although Don West goes, I don't know, I think it's pretty cut and dry. They never once say the name of the referee, right? Yeah, they say Slick Johnson. Do they say Slick yeah. Johnson? Well, not in this bit. No. They're, they just say, uh, let's go catch up on that thing, right? But Slick just refereed this match. Yeah. And then they throw to the back where there's Lauren, and this is the bit that we've already covered. Slick Johnson comes out of the shower. No, no, that's not this bit. This is just when he's saying, because he gets. Oh, he's just getting an interview. You're right. He's just getting an interview with Lauren where he's just like, look, I made a mistake and I feel bad about it. I didn't see the foot on the ropes. Mistakes are made, but the referee's decision is final. I'm going to go speak to Mr. Cornette now Mm. to get Tara her rematch. Yeah. No one, no one is referencing that he just refereed a match. That he just did this massively incorrect decision in the opener. Was it slick in this match? It was. I went back and checked. Can you? Can you? Can we get a VAR? Uh, VAR. It's gonna be another one of the elevator things again. You're gonna find out. It's, like, it's probably like Andrew Thomas or something. It's probably Earl Hebner. No, because he's very distinctive, isn't he? It can't be Earl Elston in the next match. Carbon footprint. <laughs> So, oh, stop trying to sell me stuff. Okay, where is the ref? So we're watching. There he is, look. Oh, it is slick. It is slick. Yeah. Oh, he's not in his shorts either. Camo slick. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Like, what the hell? Bad production. But okay. also, like, kayfabe-wise, yeah. why do they send him out there to referee a title match after he just made such a bad call? Well, he's in another match later on. He referees another match. <laughs> they, make, they point this out in The Observer. Oh. Um, but, like, from a production standpoint, so if you're putting the running order together and it's like, well, we're going to put the slick interview yeah. here, then probably don't have slick do the interview <laughs> in, the, in the next segment. Yeah. Okay. Here yeah. we go. Here it is. 
watching it again for the second time this year, it is Jenna versus Charmel, or as it's more commonly known, uh, Charmel versus the Survivor Chick, because that is what Brian Alvarez used to refer to it as. Charmel's got Sojo Bolt in mm-hmm. her corner, her debut on Rust Talk Extra, and Jenna has Awesome Kong in her corner. A perfect use of Awesome Kong, I think we'll all agree. <laughs> uh, Kong also gets the biggest pop out of all four women who make their entrance here, because they all get individual entrances. Mm-hmm. And They're trying to fill time. Jenna gets into the ring. This is like the first thing of the match. And uh, Vinny V in the review, I, I can hear it so clearly. She then proceeded to do a cross between the beautiful people's entrance and Melina's entrance. The lewdest entrance I've ever seen. Basically, and I'm not trying, to, I'm just describing what I saw. It was an entrance designed to show off her asshole. Not just the ass, but her actual tunnel. <laughs> I've, uh, again, apologies for language, but it's one of those those kinds of pay-per-views. Jenna entered the ring by essentially fucking the bottom rope. Yeah. And it's not, it's not the last thing she will grind her vagina against. Yeah. I, it's, it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't come across like a prude sometimes because I don't think I am. Uh, but I don't like WAP. And, <laughs> uh, as, as a song or a message, mm. uh, well, actually, no, like the, 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 actually, no, the message is fine, actually. It was just, I was saying it's crude. You did say, I, you, that was, you, those were your words. You can't, it's crude. You can't deny that. It's an intentionally crude song. Mm. There, it's, you're it's essentially evocative. singing. Yeah, you're essentially singing My Hard Dick yeah. for a lady, mm-hmm. which I'm fine with as a comedy perspective, mm-hmm. but I don't want someone singing about My Hard Dick in a serious way. Yeah, Lonely Island can get away with <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. But 50 Cent, it's a bit much, mate. Yeah, it's like, that, that quite aggressive, actually. <laughs> Uh, so th- this here... It's a good song, though. I was just like... Because <sighs> I suppose it's, it's done as a juxtaposition, if we're to break down the text. Right. Because Charmel... There's no uh, tale of the tape here. <laughs> of the main event mafia. I mean, they both are in the main event mafia. They actually explain later on that yeah. it's Jenna's millions that she got from Survivor that paid for the services of Samoa Joe. Right. Um, and Awesome Kong... Uh, sorry, Sir... So, yeah, Awesome Kong as her trainer yeah. as well. So, so you got the Charmel in the a full evening gown, a very feathery evening gown that is, that shreds quite <laughs> early doors, and Jenna Maraska, who is wearing the skimpiest outfit, she's essentially just in her underwear wrestling, and I've I've, I've then just written here they both just shake their asses at each other, and then we get an awful lockup. An awful offense. We're a, we get a rest hold 40 seconds into this match where they're just like, we need to slow this pace down. <laughs> I don't know who this is for. Uh, oh, for the mainstream. Oh, yeah. Oh, because she's, she's from, from Survivor. Survivor. So, yeah. you know, it's the same reason of having um, Snooki in a match at WrestleMania is because, oh, people will pay to watch the celebrity do do a wrestle. Didn't work for them here, though. Uh, well, and and people, I mean, put them in a match. Then, like, th- one of the good things about Snooki was how surprisingly athletic she was. Yeah, did but... you not think that uh, <laughs> Jenna Marasco? But she didn't. Um, I mean, I don't know Jenna's personality outside of wrestling, but was her sort of survivor character that she was overtly sexy? 
I don't know. I've never... I don't really know what Survivor is. Oh, it's like that show where there's a bunch of... It's Big Brother on an island and you vote people out. Okay. Uh, I'm actually just curious. I'm, I'm Rather than Googling that, I'm just buying uh, Googling what the buy rate was mm. for Victory Road 09. Well, I'll carry on. Uh, Jenna runs the ropes and comes back and just falls over. There's a camel clutch from Charmel. At least Charmel has good facials. Mm. She, she at least is performing like a wrestler should. Yeah. However, like the 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 running of the ropes from Jenna, well, both of them, from both of them is is hilarious. Have you rewatched Snoop Dogg at WrestleMania? No. I I want to just show you again him running the ropes. Because it is really funny. When he saves the match. <laughs> he does, Jane. All right, Snoop. Because Jenna here runs the ropes. I don't know if she actually touched them. And then this is the bit where she doesn't run the ropes in a straight line. Yes. And she does a, cir- a slight curve round Charmel. And that, like, that's not how the rope runs work. No, it's not. Uh, it, this is like in the barbed wire Christmas tree episode of Dynamites when you had a barbed wire Christmas tree hanging in the middle and someone tried to whip someone into the opposite corner and they was like, well, I can't run through the tree so yeah. just run around the Christmas tree and then went into the corner. <laughs> um, yeah, this is Snoop Dogg. Just wanted to show you him uh, his running of the ropes. This is this is Miz down. This is it? so Miz is down because Shane McMahon has busted everything, <laughs> and Miz has been and Snoop Dogg's been told go in there quickly save us. And Miz, I imagine, mm-hmm. like me- mega props to both guys. Here goes Snoop Dogg. There you go. He hasn't even got anything to to what? throw off of his. What an improver! Like he throws his glasses. Elbow, but he throws his glasses instead. Ding. <laughs> and Dink. <laughs> Very good. What an elbow drop though. But he's he's quite a likable person, so he, I don't mind that. He runs full pelt. It's like, ah and then very slowly turns round. It's the it's you know, it's the safest way to, to run the ropes. If anyone's never done wrestling training, uh the the most pain you'll be in after those first few sessions isn't the bumps, isn't the neck bridging. It's the rope marks you'll have across your back from running into them and going into them hard. So sore. Yeah. And it's why when Jenna runs at the ropes, you know, she doesn't really hit the ropes Mm. much. She just sort of leans against them like Snoop Dogg did. Yeah. Dink. And then uh, off she goes. And Charmel is doing the the same thing. Uh, Charmel dominates uh, for most of this as well. Um Amazing, the crowd are clapping for some of this. <laughs> oh, no, I've got here. They are audibly booing. <laughs> they are. But it's before Jenna makes her comeback. Right, okay. They do a bit of clapping then because they have a moment when um, Sojo trips uh, Jenna. Jenna, yeah. And she dies from that. Like She literally trips her. Jenna falls forward and just lays there for ages. <laughs> and like Kong chases Sojo around. The crowd clap at that point. But then Jenna makes her comeback. And this is the, from the worst match ever intro, everyone knows, arms right up against you as you just slap back and forth. They are (laughs) remarkable how bad the slaps are. Running the ropes is one thing, but I'm sure she has slapped someone in her life and or has at least seen someone do it. 
And so knows this looks like an alien who's been told about slapping <laughs> and is like, this is what you humans. And she, they, they, this alien is trying to acclimate into human life and not be caught out. So there's like, this is how you humans slap, right? There, there was a really good uh, advert for the women's deodorant brand, Shaw, back in the day. I think it was Shaw. And it would have lots of women greeting each other with their elbows pressed at their side, like little T-Rex arms and hugging each other and doing doing their daily lives. And then one woman would walk past with like free arms. Her armpits are confident. <laughs> Jenna doing the slaps looks like the people who haven't put on the sure deodorant yeah. in this. It's incredible. It's so funny. You can, the, the crowd, you can hear them. They just go, Oh. This is when the crowd turn on the match somewhat. Well, I, I disagree because before that, I've got the crowd are audibly booing. There was boring chants after a prolonged hair pull spot. That's after the slaps. No, that's that's before because, the, no, the trip. They, I've got it here. Jenna fights back with the worst slaps. That get booed. The rest of her office gets booed. They do the cat fight spot over Hebner. Jenna then tears out some of Charmel's extensions. Yeah, I'm not saying they're not booing later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that they are booing and groaning from uh, from when uh, Charmel is stamping on Jenna's hair and pulling oh, her and up. Oh, I'm pulling her up, yeah. right. Can we just see if we can hear this? Yeah. I'm just going to keep the, uh, the page open. I don't know why <laughs> I keep closing Victory Road 2009. Show what you've got, no quit. Trying to fight back out of the corner, gets the boot up, but well, Charmel has had much of the offense in this match and continues that time. A slap, a shot in the corner. Always felt like she had the slight advantage just by being in this business for 10 years, but now you see Jenna just paint rushing, trying to fight back, giving her a little bit of her own medicine. Yeah, open hand slaps from Jenna. Nice on the mount. Charmel and Jenna battling here. Almost <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear it? Audible like, like oh. Oh, oh, no. Does it carry on? And then the booze really starts to come out. <laughs> Look at that guy in the front row. He's got his head over his hands. He can't watch. There's a guy, I'm pretty sure, right at the end of this match that's just shaking his head. It's just like, Oh, look at that guy. He can't <laughs> handle it. There's the cat fight spot. Ho, ho, ho. Earl Hebner. Oh, it's so hard to not keep watching. <laughs> Christ, it's, it's burning. And then, just when you think, oh, this match is really falling apart, the two wrestlers try to do something and mm -hmm. fuck that up even worse <laughs> than Jenner and Charmel did. Because Sojo Bolt takes this bump off the apron that Awesome Kong's supposed to catch, but Sojo overreaches. So she just oh, yeah. collides with the barricade and I think dies. And, and Awesome Kong literally is just like, oops. Yeah. The ringside area isn't big enough to take a lot of the bumps people do in TNA off the apron. But yeah, that was horrid. Horrid. Uh, and then she, uh, Awesome Kong, punches uh, Sharmel because Sharmel is asking for her extensions yeah. back. And Jenna takes her sweet time and grinds her vagina into Sharmel's face and pins her for the three. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> It is 
It is unique. It is it the worst match you've ever seen? Um, well, you know what? Like, I actually hate uh, Fiend versus Seth or Nexus versus Team, Team WWE yeah. more matches like that than I do something like this. Yeah, because it's like what could have been. Mm-hmm. It's like I'll always hate X Men Three <laughs> more than a genuinely bad movie. Yeah, <clears throat> because like everything was there to hit an open. It was like an open goal to make Suicide Squad. The potential. Mm-hmm. I, I had expectations for it to be amazing. Whereas this, I was never going into Charmel versus Jenna. Like, oh, this will be good. Yeah. And in fact, you kind of want it to be bad. So I, for me, for my parameters, it's not my worst match ever. No. it's for, And as we said <clears throat> on uh, Worst Match Ever on, on Wrestle Podcast, it's the best worst match I've ever seen. Yeah. I've I, I've watched this match now so many times. <laughs> I've seen so many spots from it before because you know a lot of it's featured in Botchmania. The slaps are featured in the, the intro to Botchmania, <laughs> and I watched this not that long ago for worst match mm. ever, and I still laughed at it. Yeah. I literally watched a clip of it there, and I laughed at it again because it's the slaps when she's in the mount yeah. are the really funny ones. The T Rex slaps are very funny, but the slaps in the mount are so great. Do you think if you've got your elbows down by your side, close to your hips, it's that you are getting more torque? <laughs> it's actual added power. Because <coughs> you're not using, you're not wasting arm motion. Yeah, yeah, motion. Yeah. It's not good. No. It, it's pretty bad. And then afterwards, Jenna wants to celebrate with Kong. And then for no reason whatsoever, slaps her. And because Kong's genuinely brilliant, mm. she sells this great. Yeah. This sort of look of like, oh, you just, you just made a mistake. And she knocks her down and gives her a splash. And Jenna's selling of the splash is so great because mm-hmm. she doesn't move. And I thought to myself, I thought, self, what would you do in this scenario? Like, how would how would you sell an awesome Kong splash? Because the idea is, well, she's just flattened her into the earth. Go get the spatula. You yeah, need to get her off the mat. She's 2D now. She's, yeah. So what Jenna does is she just lays there. And then Kong splashes her, and Jenna just doesn't move at all. I'm like, do you move? Do you want to get yourself in trouble for like, oh, you didn't sell that? Yeah. So is the safest thing to do to just lay there like Stevie Richards did after he got tasered? But when Stevie Richards gets tasered, he's laying there like someone who's incurred damage. Jenna looks like she's asleep. <laughs> and there's, yeah. like, there's not much difference there, is there? When someone's dead or when someone's asleep. Yeah. Sometimes you pro- sometimes I get scared and I prod my cat because I think it's dead. Yeah, I did well, it actually, my, she's just asleep. Did it with my kid for a mm-hmm. little while. She lays there so still and you're just like, are you, are you all right? You put your head yeah. real down close and you, just, you hear that breathing. You hear that little, wake up! <laughs> she's okay. Uh, but it it is a difference I think you need to get across. Yeah. So uh, while you should lay there, somehow she botched just laying there. It's incredible, mm. really. It's quite a talent. Dave Meltzer would say. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna Maraska pinned Shamel in what could win worst match of the decade. The idea was that Kong was going to somehow save this match, and that didn't happen. Sharmel worked on Maraska early, limited by her evening gown and Maraska's bad selling. But then it got really bad as Maraska <laughs> made her comeback. She couldn't run the ropes, which does take a little while to learn. She couldn't go into the ropes. That takes time to learn. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. But she couldn't even run in a straight line and bounce (laughs) off of them. Usually seven-year-olds who do fake pro wrestling in their bedrooms and use the walls as ropes can at least run in a straight line and when they bounce off of them. This was like watching two first graders playing pretend pro wrestling. Her slaps were a new definition of horrible. Sharmel wanted her hair extensions back from Kong. Kong gave them back to her and decked her. Maraska waited forever, gyrating her butt like she was about to perform a sex act on a KO'd Sharmel, which had at least been more entertaining than the match we got. Mm. Minus four stars. Oh, Dave. I don't know what this match needs to do extra to get that missing star. Like, what Dave looked at it was like, yes, that's minus four. Because you can then imagine Brian and Dave having this argument. Because uh-huh. Brian would be like, it's a minus five star match. And they'd be like, eh, I, I, I went minus four. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what did it need to do to get even an extra quarter? Well, you know, he's... Uh... His defense of the five star match when when something gets a four and three quarters is like if I'm not saying right after the match, wow, that's a five star match, then I can't give it five stars. That's what makes it four and three quarters. Yeah. So maybe he was just like, wow, that was a bad match, but he never once thought that's minus five stars. But he did say what might be the worst match of the decade on pay per view. So, but he doesn't give out many five star match ratings. No. So he's quite protective over those minus five star ones. I'm like trigger happy Brian there. Well, <coughs> speaking of, this will win worst match of the year in the Observer Awards. I mean, sometimes you'll read an old Observer from 1992 and you'll see these hacksaw Duggan matches that people rated minus five stars. If those people only knew <laughs> what lay in store for them in 2009, those Duggan matches would be Flair Steamboat compared to this. Jenna got worse as the match went on, which is inconceivable. <laughs> she also looked look, she also looked completely blown up after two minutes of doing nothing. She fought back with the worst laps in recorded history and people were booing. They tried a cat fight spot where they rolled over the ref and nobody cared at all. Where's the Fire Russo chant of all times? Kong, um, Sharmel demanded Kong give back her hair, so she gave her the karate chop, and Jenna pinched Sharmel with her vagina doing a lap dance mm. to her face. This set a new standard right there. At the very least, worst women's match in wrestling history. Jenna demanded Kong carry her around the ring afterwards, and when Kong demanded more money, Jenna slapped her, so Kong threw her down and hit her with a big splash. Jenna obviously wasn't taking the powerbomb. Horrible, almost beyond measure, minus five stars. Bravo. Uh, and 4 one Larry uh, gave this bull and shit seriously so bad. That's the only thing he he wrote words for. Yeah. Wow. Uh, And the Furious Flashback gave this a dud rating and said, I've heard this get a savaging worst match of the year. 
But I've seen far worse women's matches, Jackie Gager, for example, and it's not far off the usual standard of knockouts matches. Oh, that's unfair. Jenna bad, but only because she's got no training or coordination. Mm-hmm. Uh, that last bit's true, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's incredibly harsh on the rest mm. of the, the knockouts division in TNA. On the on the split between a one and a five minus five, <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like two, three, and four exist. Minus two and three star matches. Yeah, they like... they do exist because I I went through when I was doing the the lineup for worst match ever. Mm. You know, you can go on to like uh, the pro wrestling wiki yeah. and find the minus three star matches or minus two star matches. God, I wonder what it takes to. I'd love to really find out the criteria to enter the essentially the. What do they call it in DC? The dark verse? <laughs> I mean, when you just ask Dave Meltzer on Twitter, he'll respond the to... The anti-verse. It's the anti-monitor. Yeah. He, I mean, because Dave will literally respond to anyone on Twitter that, yeah. that asks him questions about star ratings, so he'll probably reply to you. That means I have to go on Twitter, though. Yeah. To help. Rather avoid it. I am here in the locker room of the main event mafia. Big Sexy Kevin Nash set to do battle tonight for the Legends Championship against the phenomenal one AJ Styles. And I have to ask you, we heard Mick Foley earlier rallying the troops and then on the flip side of things we heard what kurt angle said to every member of the main event mafia point blank to reiterate he said if you do not come out victorious tonight kevin nash you or any other member of the main event mafia that does not win is done is out what do you think of that i mean i commend kurt you're talking about a gold medalist olympic gold medalist that went out and won a gold medal for this country with a broken neck you talking about being rallied? Hey, you know what the thing is? We're mafia. Those guys, what Foley did, those guys have been here, what, five, six, seven years? They're in the same place now as they were then. So what? Mick comes in with his mullet and gives them an excuse. Oh, you're still young. You can still pull this off. Look at me. Garbage. Garbage. You know what? But it isn't up to Kurt. Because if I don't get the job done tonight, I'll retire. That's how confident I am. I'm mafia. Kurt's got the troops ready. Tonight's our night. Tonight we do it mafia style. And Big Sexy is going to win the Legends Championship. Uh, Backstage, my favorite promo of the whole night, uh, Mick Foley's Be Damned, because JB is talking with Kevin Nash. And, you know, he's talking about how, look, Foley's rallying the troops. Foley is rallying the troops, but Angle's threatening to fight. Mm. Like, how does that, you know, work in your difference? And Nash says, "Look at all these guys that've been in TNA for five or seven years. They're like they're in the same position. But me, I'm on top. So clearly, I'm doing something right, and and they're not. If I don't win tonight, then uh, I'll retire." <laughs> but <laughs> so Nash is holding, and we'll get into this when you get into the video promo in a second. Nash's whole motivation for winning this belt isn't because it's a prestigious title it isn't because he wants gold in tna it's because he can sign more at fan conventions if he has a belt than if he doesn't i love it what a character yeah (laughs) well obviously i love it from a destructive point of view um i feel i feel like the promo makes nash look bad though because he's like he says that he's the best but he's in a promotion where really the, the the best homegrown stars are in the same position. So it doesn't, you know, that old mentality of 
you want to put over your opponent mm. to make yourself look good. Nash often doesn't do that. Oh, no. He no. just buries everyone and wins anyway. Yeah. But so he never actually looks really, really good because so he never built up his, his victims. Here is where I disagree. Mm. I think this Kevin Nash character is subtly genius. Kevin Nash at this point had the, a reputation of being, which he himself really played up. His shoot interviews where you'd be like, who's the best wrestler in the world? It's Hogan. He drew the most money. Yeah, yeah. We used to do house shows in the 90s where we'd look through the curtain, see there was very few people. And I was like, oh, I'm not taking any bumps tonight. Like he had this, he made up this world in which I'm a lazy worker, but I made the most money. Mm -hmm. But he then just starts to really play into that. I think back to the paparazzi productions things that he did with uh, Alex Shelley, where he mm. talked about how he knows everything about the wrestling world and the wrestling world's better because he's in it. And he has a graph that of showing the top drawing WWF champions. Like there's Hogan there with a nice little spike and then dips a little bit when Brett's on top. But then there's a huge spike with Kevin Nash as the diesel character. You know, that's that doesn't include merch. That's just this mm. is just box office receipts. They, you know, wouldn't do merch, that's a whole different graph. And then, you know, there's a nice little dip here for Austin, but clearly not the same as the the diesel run. And then rock down here is that's where business really started to tank down. He plays up this idea that the internet hates Kevin Nash mm. for being a lazy worker that's only in this for the money. And I think that plays into the match he has with AJ because he's bad in it. And <laughs> AJ dominates the match and Nash doesn't really win convincingly. Mm. I think it's all part of the act. And I, I think there's a subtle brilliance to it because it, it did work everyone because people did not like Kevin Nash at this point. Yeah. Yes. And I, you know, I actually probably think that might be intentional because that's the exact sort of thing Russo would want to do. Let's, let's work the marks. Le less Russo, I think this is more Nash. Mm. Well, both of them together, they yeah. probably brought out the worst. I don't know. It doesn't, I love Nash ironically. I think it's funny, but actually when you, when you think of it from what's best for wrestling's mm. point of view, it's not a well done character it, it damaged other people here and i think it it i mean i, I hate the legends belt oh it's a rubbish belt it, it's, it it's, gonna, it's gonna be rebranded in the next couple of months aj looks proper rubbish here and i do well, remember before this we get into this we need mm. to set this up so uh, up next for the legends championship oh, yeah. it's aj styles versus kevin nash kevin nash you want to give everybody a history lesson of what you accomplished in the wrestling business you said you took wrestling companies to the next level we took it we made it a business you changed them for the worst. I am a legend. When you go out on the autograph circuit, that belt put around some little kid's shoulder adds about three, four grand to the day because everybody wants to get a picture with the strap. We were better off without you. You took advantage of the system. And other people suffered because you had to make the money. You had to make the big money, didn't you, Cap? Well, then, you know, 96, I barely made seven figures. Well, that's not what it's about. I swear, I'd wrestle for free, but the love of the game is not about the money. To me, this is this is a business and it's a job. I'm here for one thing and one thing only. That's to make money. And at Victory Road, you have cashed your last paycheck. Well, I remember this being the the bit because I was so into Main Event Mafia at the time. This was when I started to go, oh, AJ is a bit lame because these guys are so cool. Samoa Joe. Even though he's with them, he's a bit lame as well. I just started getting conditioned by the the thing TNA was accidentally doing, which was, oh, all of our stars are rubbish. It's only the old 
WCW, WWF guys, you're the best. Yeah. That is going to be the, the, my conceding to mm. my appreciation for this Nash character, which I, I do believe is intentional, is that it doesn't get put anyone over at the end. It's the same with the X Division stuff he did. I actually was a bit of a defender of the X Division run, even at the fun time. Fun idea. Because yeah. I think it's a fun idea. Because people were really mad Nash is burying the division and stuff like that. And I was like, no, that's the point, mm. is he is a, a giant amongst all these X Division guys, with the idea being that he then gets beat by the X Division guys. And that did happen. It's not like he did it with the Cruiserweights, where he just beat the Cruiserweights. This was a parody of what he did in the mm. 90s. So I actually think that the heat for that worked, but I, I can't look at any of those X Division guys and be like, oh, he hugely got Alex Shelley over. Or he hugely mm. got Saban over. Because really, Shelley and Saban got themselves over mm. as the Motor City Machine Guns. Sanjay Duck got himself over. Shark Boy got himself over. I don't think Nash particularly helped that. Like, Nash put over Joe at Sacrifice, but really, you're looking at this being like, oh, Joe's in a much stronger position now because Nash put him over. Yeah, because then Joe joins him that whole finish was weirdly worked to make Nash look like a baby face. Yeah, and they even say later on that, you know, the main event mafia all took the beatings from Joe with the old, you know, knowing that he's actually working with us. So stupid. Um, and, and that's the finish where Jennifer comes out and Charmel is like, no, don't do it. And that's yeah. the start of that awfulness. And that this match as well, actually. AJ is kind of working as a heel. Yeah, Nash is the baby face in peril in this match. Which is so weird for Nash is a monster presence and he's he's meant to be the heel. I thought I mean it was it was well worked by AJ because he was like really showing his quickness and the strategy of moving mm -hmm. around from Nash and avoiding the big power moves. But yet AJ then dominated the match and Nash just wins. With a choke slam out of nowhere. So, I mean, also, let's break this down with the legends list. Uh, <laughs> Nash is in it for the cash. He's only interested in the money mm -hmm. aspect of winning mm -hmm. this title. AJ's lack of respect. I think that's for the legends. Mm -hmm. And uh, Angle puts the pressure on, which was really added only on this show. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I like this idea of, like, Nash only wants to win this belt because he can charge more money for it at <laughs> conventions. I think that's genuinely very funny. And Don West brings this up on commentary. He's like, look, we're all in this for the money. I don't make as much money as you today, but I do okay. Mm. And like, you know, burying the fact that Don West, like Mike Tanay's doing this for the money and he actually gets paid way more than I do. Um, but AJ, yeah, just sort of pounds on Nash a lot. And he's, Nash is this odd baby face. And he picks up AJ to do like a desperation move. He's yeah. like trying to make, but that is the story of this character is that he's actually not as good as AJ. AJ's a much better mm -hmm. wrestler than he is. Um, but we get the, the phenomenal forearm and the crowd do pop for spots like the Pele kick and things like that. But AJ just leaps into this Nash choke slam. It's basically the one move he has for a long time. And it's a weird finish. But the story is that Nash can barely stand up after he's won because AJ's actually the dominating force in this match. But can you say then that this gets AJ over? Well, I think that might have been the on-paper reasoning. Uh, you know, oh, let's give him loads in the match to protect him when he loses. Yeah, because West Nash even... just gets a lucky choke slam win. That's it. West says AJ didn't get beat; he got caught. Yeah, uh, it doesn't feel that way. You know, if that's if that is the intention behind the booking, I don't think it worked. AJ's really angry afterwards, slamming the mat. 
like a like a heel would if he's disappointed, mm-hmm. and then Nash just rolls out immediately and walks away with the title. And this is the so so limp. This is the uh, the second level of genius to Kevin Nash is that he's doing a character that's playing into the fact that nobody likes him mm. in a very knowing wink to the audience way of, yeah, this this is who I am. But he also structures matches to make sure he looks the best. <laughs> so he always does look like he's the best guy coming out of any match possible. Mm. Even even when Samoa Joe squashed him at Sacrifice, he still looked like all he eyes was, were on him. All eyes were on Nash at the end of that. I didn't like this. No, this is not a good match. This isn't this isn't like the fun Oh, it's so bad, it's silly, like other matches are. This is just it's just bad booking. Yes, it's not good. Dave Meltzer would say, uh, this came with little build and a flat finish. That said, what's the best thing on the show so far? <laughs> Star and a half. Uh, Brian Alvarez would say, Nash wasn't even breathing hard. That's a testament to his cardio. He may have actually fallen asleep as AJ was doing a Garvin stop. <laughs> this is so bad. A complete waste of AJ. AJ put him in a fake submission hold. I don't even know what it's supposed to be. And then he put him in a face lock. After all these years, Nash's hair is starting to thin. Just what he needs to look at. Just what he needs to look even older. AJ hit the Pele kick to a shockingly big reaction, but Nash kicked out. Nash pinned him clean out of nowhere with a chokeslam. It's 2009, everyone. One star. Mm-hmm. That's Brian Alvarez uh, getting worked there by Kevin Nash. <laughs> Larry from 411 gave this two and a half stars. Wow. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, generous. And the Furious Flashbacks would say, some clever wrestling on Nash's part. He slowed AJ right down and showed us that AJ could quite easily work the WWE style. <laughs> What? Friend of mine, this was written in 2011. Yeah. Unfortunately, you could tell AJ was frustrated with how slowly he had to work in order to get the big, uh, big Kev to keep up. The finish shouldn't be so fucking clean either. Get some money, uh, get some MEM support yeah. for Nash and the load the odds against AJ so he doesn't look like a loser. Again, luckily he's so over and talented that he can take losses, but TNA shouldn't keep using that as an excuse for him to take clean jobs to heels all the time. Nash needed some help here, and having him go alone makes AJ look incapable of main eventing. They should just change his name to a jobber to the star style. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there should be a lot more interference yeah. on the MEM's part. Two and a half stars was the, the rating there. Oh, I think that's high. But the the WWE style, what, like Kevin Nash is there showing these young kids how to work the hard cam? Well, they, no, Nash this hasn't is... been in WWE for ages. But the, the mentality is that WWE, and still to this day, has the WWE style, which is so much slower than what wrestling was outside mm-hmm. of this. You know, in 2011, when this is being written, you've got to think like Impact, the TNA is still yeah, going, yeah. Ring of Honor is doing what they're doing. New Japan is starting to become a little bit more available to people. There's AAA and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, people are looking like, wow, wrestling is way more impressive outside of WWE because all they do is the same formula mm. of matches and it's much slower. It, I... Do, it happens to this day. If you watch an AEW show and then watch a WWE one directly afterwards, it is like you're watching it in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Like you're watching people wrestle through water. Uh, and that's what he's uh, that's what they're essentially commenting on here. I'm here in the TNA women's locker room hoping to get a word in with Tara concerning her controversial loss to Angelina Love tonight. A loss that we saw occurred when referee Slick Johnson failed to see Tara put her foot on the ropes before the three count. Now, I... I think she's coming now. Slick Johnson? Hey, I was, what, uh, what are you doing? Nothing. I was having, looking at my spider bite. I was having my oh, spider bite looked at. Uh, where? You know, if this thing gets infected, I could die from this thing. Sp- God, spider bite? What? Madison? What? 
are you kidding me? Oh no, don't tell me that you were back there with Slick. Mind your own business, Lauren, and keep your mouth shut or else. <sighs> what? Are you kidding me? This is where we have the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the next Lauren segment here. Oh, what? what? No. I'm, so she's in the locker room to have an interview with Tara, but Tara's not there. Mm. And Slick, in his referee whites, comes out of the shower, sort of tucking his shirt in. Yeah. Not really, though. His shirt's already tucked in. It's like they, they called action on a live broadcast, and he went, oh, I haven't untucked my shirt. And so he's like, I'll just... I'll look like I am. Yeah. And so he walks out looking like he's tucking his already tucked in shirt. And Lauren's like, oh, what? What? Oh, oh, it's a ladies. Oh, it's a ladies. Oh, what? Huh? And he runs off. Uh, well, he, he said well, he was looking at a spider bite. Yeah, it's because he got a spider bite from uh, Poison. He, but he had been refereeing other matches on the show yeah. so far. So, yeah. yeah. But I guess it was a lie, so... And then That's Madison okay. Rain comes out of that same shower, as Dave Meltzer pointed out earlier, just in her wrestling gear. She's not adjusting anything. Mm -hmm. She's just in her wrestling gear, and her hair is totally fine. But there are there are acts that could well, have been it. done that she was giving him a handy. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. that. That is yeah. the sort of the insinuation here. She was giving him a little handy in the shower <laughs> and slick out his top off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not yet. Let me take my top off. Get hot. <laughs> Uh, and then she just tells Lauren, don't you dare tell anyone. Mm. In a segment where Lauren has already established that a camera is filming <laughs> them because they're being broadcast on TV. And then Lauren goes, oh, no. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. I remember this. I actually remember <laughs> I remember this angle. I yes, I also recall. When it that. happened, I was like, "Oh yeah." I can't remember how I felt about it at the time, but yeah, it, <laughs> That's 2009. That's 2009 for you. Up next for the TNA Tag Team titles, it's Beer Money versus the Main Event Mafia. I'm cashing in the rematch clause, Kurt. It's going to be me and you, one-on-one -on -one for the World Heavyweight Championship. In my contract, it states that I have the right to pick my opponent, not you. When you want something from the Main Event Mafia, you have to give something back. It's great to be the champs again. So we are here tonight, Team 3D, to grant you your rematch anytime, anywhere, any place. Kurt Angle, the godfather, is calling all the shots. And what that means is mafia rules. Mick has made the deal. At Victory Road, Mick will get a heavyweight title shot. As well as Big Kevin, he will be getting a shot at my Legends Championship. Miss Gotti, we go be getting a shot at the World Tag Team Championship. You two are one of two of the greatest tag teams ever in wrestling history. You damn skippy. And we stand here, the greatest tag team in the world. You're just another kneeling Bob. So what you need to do is kneel down and bob on this bottle right here. Go back and get your gear on and have a beer and get ready to get your ass kicked. We said earlier that Foley's a babyface now, but kind of the gimmick that this show is, is that Foley wants another shot at the title, but he has to make a deal with TNA management. 
and the way to get his own title shot is actually to put everyone else's belts on the line. Mm. So it is still quite heelish. And it's still I very, didn't pick that up actually, but it's a very, but it's still in keeping with that Mick Foley character. Yeah, I want to win the world title, but in order to do that, you've all got to put your belts on the line against the main event mafia. And they, even when that like, the backstage segment, he's like, "I need all of you to kind of step up because I need you to make up for me in the main events." I've made a terrible strategic error. Uh, I don't think I'm going to win this match that I've put everyone's belts on the line for. Yeah. Because the yeah. only reason Beer Money defending their belts, I mean, they should be there, the tag champs, is because Foley wanted a shot at, the, uh, a shot at an angle. Mm. And uh, Steiner and Booker beat Team 3D in a number one contendership match. And uh, we break this down with the taglines. Uh, Beer Money's third championship reign. Great team. Well, all-time great tag team. Uh, Booker and Steiner, tag team royalty. Really glad they put that in there because when this match started, Steiner and Booker T and Nash... They were seen as jokes. It was only Angle who was the only legitimate, credible star, mm. active star in that faction. But when they said, oh yeah, Booker T, one half of Harlem Heat, Scott Steiner, one half of the Steiner bros, like, actually, that is really... It's really clever. Compelling. Yeah, I like that. And this is a must-win situation for the main event Mafia, mm -hmm. which is the same as the point in uh, Kevin Nash's one. Yeah. Just with slightly different wording. Mm -hmm. Tanae and West put over that Beer Money Inc. are the tag team of the decade and will be seen alongside the likes of Harlem Heat and the Steiner Brothers mm. as well. One of the greatest tag acts ever. And I agree. And you made, you said MJF and Cole, you kind of compared them a little bit to Beer Money or they sort of had a Beer Money vibe to them. When I say that, Beer Money, they are an odd couple tag team who work just seamlessly together. Plus, they can do comedy really credibly regardless of whether they're heels or faces mm. uh, and that's kind of what i mean yeah like i wouldn't ftr have elements of beer money but not the comedy side to them like, um, which they can do we all remember Usi hearts <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah i just I, I really love beer money they are great i don't feel like they get enough love yeah. In in the grand scheme of things, like no one ever says in interviews, "Oh yeah, I was really like as a tag team, really influenced by Beer Money." Yeah, and maybe they weren't, but I just see their echoes through a lot of them. Uh, I think this match can be summed up with a little bit of Don West commentary mm. that he has about Booker T. And this is a direct quote: "Look how slow he's moving. <laughs> it's almost plodding." <laughs> he's saying that as a positive to be yeah. like. I think what he's trying to say is look how methodical he's mm, moving. But mm. the, the word he uses is plodding. Well, I don't think Booker's particularly good in this. I've never really... <laughs> no! <laughs> I've never got on with Booker T as a wrestler. I've never really taken him seriously. But Scott Steiner, you know, you don't I, take... I blame 2001 for that, by the way. Yeah. I blame the invasion for that. Oh, but also, I mean, even in WCW, which I was watching as a kid, like I never bought him as a guy. I, I think he was better there. Like, it, it, and then that, King Booker was rubbish. well. King Booker is rubbish, and I, but we're going to get a bit of heat for that because people love the King mm -hmm. Booker gimmick. Mm -hmm. I I never liked King Booker. Um, I thought SmackDown was quite a bad show yep. at that point. Um, but I like I I think that the invasion did a lot of damage to Booker T, and WWF did a lot of damage to Booker T because they then just made him a joke forever. Mm. And so when he came into TNA, he was just, and like, and then he's just lazy in TNA. He didn't want to be there, didn't put any effort in. 
And it does, that just doesn't help him either. Mm. He has one good moment in TNN, and that's when he's providing his own commentary during a beatdown. Oh, yeah. Uh, Steiner, also a bit of a joke that's gotten out of control. <laughs> but the, the patron saint. But a few minutes into this match, it's like, oh my God, Steiner's awesome. Yeah. Those like swirling belly to bellies, the overhead belly to bellies. Oh, like he's great. So what you get Steiner in for. Yeah. Steiner, you get in and you do your Steiner spots, throw some suplexes, do some push-ups. Maybe if he's feeling froggy enough, you can do a little uh, Frankensteiner. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, it's just hit a couple of suplexes, lock in a Steiner recliner, go, ha! And, and away you go. Get your paycheck. Shout something into a microphone at the end. <laughs> something about people being overweight, usually. So should we just jump straight to the finish? Oh, actually, can I shout out one great um, mm. beer money spot? And I think someone should steal this as a great tag finisher. They did a clothesline backstabber combo. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Rude with a great lariat as James Storm is dragging them down with that lariat into a backstabber. And that's a great finish. Well, they, had, they were so inventive with all the little spots they'd do, like double team moves, uh, just comedy heel spots as well. They really, really thought out stuff. But yes, I don't actually have any notes for the <laughs> match. Well, I've, uh, I've apart got, from I've the finish. I've got one here. Long heat. Because <laughs> it was just them working over beer money for, for a long time. I was on James Storm and then he gets the Tony DDT for the hot tag. Yep, Rude Let's... for the hot tag. Match breaks down. It's quite tense though. Like it's a good breakdown um, with both teams having loads on the line. And then. <laughs> and then. And then. So, James Storm spits beer into Scott Steiner's face. And the idea was he was also supposed to spit it into Earl Hebner's face at the same time. But Hebner was out of position, like the big friggin' idiot that he is. Really out of position. Hugely so. Bobby Roode has to grab him and be, Earl, you're out of position. That's how out of position he was. He was almost on the other side of the ring. And so Earl walks towards James Storm a couple of seconds after the, the beer spit has happened and then gets beer in his eye somehow. <laughs> <laughs> he walks over and goes, oh, I've got, yeah. I've got beer in my eyes. So then he's spending time wiping the beer out of his eyes, using his shirt as beer money hit the DWI, drinking while investing for the visual pin. But I was being like, oh no, I've got, I've got this beer in my eyes. I must sort this out. And then it gets even weirder because he goes to count the pin, but Booker pulls Hebner out of the ring. And somehow in this, it ends up between an argument between Hebner and James Storm. Yes. While Booker T scissor kicks the back of uh, Rude's head on the rope into a Steiner pin that Hebner does count. What? So uh, it's even worse than that. Oh, really? Because Storm and Hebner are arguing on the outside when Booker does the move and he gets the pin. So Hebner sees that a pin is happening and races into the ring to count. James Storm stood next to him and also has to race in to break up the count, but he can't break up the count because it's the finish. So he has to move slower than Hebner. And because he's actually faster than Hebner, has to stop and just wait and then try to break up the pin. It is, uh, excuse my language, fucking mess it's so bad yeah the i mean it's the the worst thing by quite a considerable margin is hebner selling beer in his eyes three seconds after it happened yeah. when he was nowhere near the beer 
But yeah, everything else really falls apart. What were they trying to book in some of these bits? Well, this is the thing as well. You know, they're trying to put over that they wanted to give the main event mafia clean finishes. And in a way, this is a sort of clean finish because they didn't use outside interference. They didn't cheat. Mm. Booker T just hit, you know, he's in the match. He hit his finish. It's not like it's an illegal maneuver, even if it is behind the referee's back. It's just, it makes beer money look rubbish because they, uh, James Storm in particular, I think looks terrible in this finish. Rude doesn't look much better getting pinned, but the beer spot is just, it's hysterically bad. I really, I, going through this, they really needed interference to protect the baby faces, but also just to set up that main event mafia, they say they're the best wrestlers, but actually... They they all need to interfere in each other's matches to, yeah. to get to maintain that top spot. It is then a satire of what actually happened with the NWO. Not the best wrestlers, but they politics behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. It was all of them that kept them at the top and stifled the younger talent. Tell that story, but don't do it legitimately again. Tell the story where the good guys win at the end overall. Do you want to watch James Storm trying to get into the ring? If you've still got the tab open. <sighs> Let's. I didn't pick up on this because I was so <laughs> like I, I I kept replaying the bit with Hebner. Or there's it's a Paramount Plus advert. Okay, so there's James Storm. Oh oh no oh. Oh, no, I didn't even... I was looking at the pin, not Hevner and Storm. It's so much worse than you think. Because oh. Storm goes in first before Hevner's even ready to go in. So he stops. How... What is the time period? Okay, there's... there's the One, two, three, four, five, six... James Storm had six seconds to make three seconds of movement. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) An absolute mess. And then speaking of messes, Booker T cuts this promo. area calling for the main event. Mafia calling for Booker and Scott Steiner. Take it, JB. What a night so far. Yes, you did say that. Which I, I don't really got a lot of the content of. I've just written here, it was a hell of a rambling promo. Yes. And then Scotty was just like, well, you thought that was rambling. <laughs> Give me the effing mic. Uh, yeah, he didn't say, but he didn't say anything stupid. No. 
He's just like, put that in return to put the big yeah. door. I was waiting for fat asses, yeah. but nothing happened. Dave Meltzer would say of the match, most of the matches thus far didn't promise much. Not that this did, but Booker is at least physically talented, even at his age, even though he's largely on cruise control now. Steiner tries, but is so limited by his size and injuries, but Beer Money is one of the company's best mm. and most over acts. But the crowd were dead here until they did their Pavlovian reaction to the Beer Money spot. Match was decent, though lacking the heat you'd expect, but the finish did not come off well. Star and a quarter. Uh, Brian Alfred to say this average match was stealing the show at this point Storm spat beer in Steiner's face and they hit their finish the ref though ended up down somehow no mm -hmm. fucking idea how <laughs> he finally went to count and Booker pulled him out the ring Booker claims Storm spat beer in his eyes Booker then hit Rude with an axe kick and the, on the ropes and Steiner cradled him the key was that the referee and James Storm were both outside the ring when this happened so they had a race the ref tried to get it into count and Storm tried to get in to break it up well, Hebner won that race, as Storm <laughs> had to pretend he was slower than Earl fucking Hebner. Jesus Christ, this finish sucked, killing what was on its way to be the best match on the show. Two and a quarter stars. Mm. I think that's generous. 411, uh, Larry gave it two, and the Furious Flashback said, A fine demonstration of what a great talent James Storm is. Beer Money is a great team because of him. Oh. He really showed his determination during this match, but the main event Mafia guys dragged it down two stars. I mean, I love James Storm. Uh, I think Bobby Roode is exactly equal in that partnership, though. Joe, will the mystery end tonight? Um, for the past several months, there's been somebody behind the scenes seemingly mentoring you. Now, for the past few weeks, you have said that this person, whoever they may be, will indeed make themselves known at Victory Road. Well, Joe, tonight is the night. It's Victory Road. Will we meet this person? <laughs> Rest assured, Lauren, he's here. And he's ready for war. My advisor, my mentor, my hope. The man responsible for unleashing the beast that I am. And for that gift, Sting, I will deliver him your head. Because tonight... Oh, tonight, everything changes. The mystery is over. And Sting, it's showtime! And tonight, tonight will be your final scene. Backstage, Lauren. What? She's not, she doesn't do anything stupid here. Yes, yeah, she does. Oh, does she? Right at the end. So oh, does she? Because Joe's talking about his mysterious mentor and said, we're going to meet him tonight. And it's showtime. This is going to be your final scene. And he walks away. And Lauren goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> Quick, Lauren. Do what the audience are thinking. <laughs> what? Say the line, Who Lauren. Who Well, yeah. Who could that be? It's Samoa Joe versus Sting. It was because of punks like Joe that we started the Mafia to begin with. The honor and dignity thing, it's bull****. This is about money. Your plan ain't working. His is. He's got the belt. The relationship between Sting and the main event Mafia, it's absolutely history.
why wrestling is as bad as it is right now. You see, you want everything, Joe, but you're not willing to work for it. And you took a payoff. You took a payoff at my expense, which was your mistake. You see, I don't need four guys behind me to fight this fight, Joe. I'll fight it by myself. You pissed me off bad now, Joe. You finally gonna look at me in the face, are ya? Do something about it, Joe, come on! What's stopping you, Joe? Do something! Or should I ask, who's stopping ya? Fortunately for you, I've been instructed to keep my temper. But don't worry, Slinger. Your time, your time will come. You know, no matter how black your heart may appear right now, you're not capable, Joe, of doing this on your own. I know that. I'm going to say this one last time. You will find out from Victory Road. Right. We've been building this up for months. Who is the mysterious advisor for Samoa Joe? Shouldn't it have been Kurt Angle? Because then they revealed at last month's pay-per-view that Joe had oh, yeah. sided with Kurt. Yeah. Now, you're right. That That is... To it. <laughs> you're absolutely right, actually. That should have been the reveal that Joe was the mysterious uh-huh. mentor. Because the, the, the mentor we get doesn't overly make sense. And, it's, and he's not there for very long in, in this role. But the story going into this is that Sting is upset with the Mafia because... The whole reason for the creation of this group was to keep down the young kids like Samoa Joe. But Kurt Angle worked with Samoa Joe to put him in the group. What? And that's when they decide to kick Sting out of the group. Because Nash's argument is, look, your plans weren't working. Kurt's was. But Kurt's plan came in before Sting took over the group. Uh, there's so many plot holes. <laughs> also, really, this should be Joe versus AJ. Because Joe and AJ were the united force going into that King of the Mountain match at Slammiversary. Very true. And it was Joe who turned on AJ. Yep. That's the rivalry. Yeah, you're right again. <laughs> and that probably would have been a better match than what we got with doing AJ and Nash and Sting and Joe. Why did I mean I guess Sting Nash would, would then be your option. Well, yeah, it would be. But that was <laughs> <laughs> And then Sting is just like, Joe, you are what's wrong with wrestling today. And you're just, you're taking the easy road and you're not working for it. And throughout this video package, who is this mysterious mentor? As the number 13 and Taz's logo flashes up Mm. on screen. Who is this mysterious mentor? (laughs) As the letters FTW flash up on the screen. Who is this mysterious mentor? As Survive If I Let You is on the screen. Who could it possibly... Gee, I wonder who it is. It's like they're not even trying to keep it a secret. Yet Taz and West... Sorry, Tanae and West are on commentary. I have no idea. Absolutely no idea what these clues might mean. Yeah, like AEW, for instance, if that was a thing. Because they, they often do uh, give away who the thing is, right? Um, they do not insult the audience's intelligence by pretending they don't know. They just play coy around it. Yeah, be like, I mean, that could mean what we think it might mean. But yeah. Yeah, well, let's not jump to conclusions. Or like when it said Chicago for the mm. debut of Collision and the crowd all exploded. 
and then the booze happened. Excalibur was like, well, what could that be? Yeah. You know, but in a, in a knowing way. So this is a Sting match in 2009. <laughs> bit of crowd brawling, bit of walk and brawl. I enjoyed this because uh, they go into the crowd and Sting starts slamming Joe into the Victory Road poster, which we haven't spoken about yet. It's the beautiful people. In their swimsuits. Yeah. I'd like... That always stands out as a TNA DVD cover for me. Yeah. I think it's because it's featured in a lot of like background yeah. shots. You know, WWE went through that period where every office was just posters of whatever mm-hmm. DVD mm-hmm. they were selling that month. Or Shawn Michaels' religious movie. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the Victory Road 09 poster was almost mm-hmm. like a staple of that background shot. Um, but yeah, we get a bit of walk and brawl. Sting <laughs> throws um, Samoa Joe into a someone's sign that says uh, TNA written on it. And I think that hurt him more. <laughs> <laughs> the Well, Sting obviously moves better here. He's 14 years younger than what he is right now in AEW. But he feels better now. He feels so old. Like this in the Slammiversary match, he feels so old. Mm. And I mean, that was the thing at the time. I was like, man, Sting just feels old. But yeah, like look at him now. He's like... That's a sprightly young man right there. And it's all about booking him right. It's it's all about the presentation, hide his limitations, put people around him, and give him something high to jump off of. Yeah. Did you see who the referee for this match was? I haven't recorded it. It's Slick Johnson. What the hell? Because today's like, oh, Slick's had a busy night. (laughs) Why is he getting more opportunity? He's just been... He did a bad count, which is now implied that he got that bad count because he's getting handies from Madison Rain in the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. What? What? Oh, my God. Why do they keep letting him book mat, like officiate matches? Cornette's bad at his job. Mm. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Joe's suicide elbow. That was lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe is great. Sting is so great at selling. Like He's very good at his like ragdolling and stuff. But then he starts slapping Sting. And it powers Sting up. I was oh, like, yeah, love the nose selling. Yeah, I love that. We get the Scorpion Deathlock, and out comes Taz. So Taz makes his debut for TNA, and Don West, bless his heart, may rest his rest his soul, man. He's just like, we still don't know who the mystery partner is. Music plays. Maybe that could be the mystery partner. Taz walks out, and there he is. <laughs> it's like not from the ropes. Joe, he's applied the pressure. Down. Look at him sit down on it. Is Joe going to tap? This is it. Wait a minute. Is Joe spying to tap? Here we go. And there he is. Taz. It's not the most like, whoa, my God, it's Taz. Can you believe yeah. it? It really was. Yep, it's exactly who we thought it was because the video package told us who it was going to be. Turns out it is who we thought. Yeah, the crowd doesn't really pop either. No. I was surprised that it was just mild. Yeah, the crowd does go mild for this. The crowd feel tired mm. after this. There's lots of bad finishes, lots of bad matches. I think have really killed the... the you see how hot they were during Abyss and Stevie? Yeah, yeah. And how hot they were like in that the, the other match, mm-hmm. the third match. Daniels and Morgan. Daniels and Morgan. But seeing Taz seems to power up Samoa Joe. He gets out of the Scorpion, which is supposed to be this big thing. It's like, oh my God, he powered out of the mm. Scorpion. And then Joe sets him up for the muscle buster and Sting drops down. So Joe muscles him up to, to get him in the muscle buster and, and, and Sting deadweights him and drops down. So Joe just locks in the clutch and Sting taps out. Match was fine. Finish was awful. Mm-hmm. 
Joe celebrates with Taz. Uh, yeah, so this is because Sting forgot the finish. Was he concussed? He was forgot he... the finish. He Yeah, he forgot what the, the next spot was, forgot what the finish of the match was. So he didn't realize that Joe was trying to get him up for the muscle buster. So mm. he just dead-weighted him. Usually you're a bit more... Uh, you help out your partner, don't you? Yeah. Or, you know, you would say... It, this is not the first time that Sting has wrestled Samoa Joe. Yeah. Probably knows where his finish is. Uh-huh. And if if Joe's putting you in that position, surely your wrestler instincts would yeah. kick in to be like, oh, he's going to do his finish on me. Or is it a case of he's like, I don't want to take that move. I'm between Triple H's legs and he's hooking my arms up. Don't know what's coming next. I put my knee down. <laughs> Uh, Dave Meltzer would say they teased the idea of Joe tapping but then Taz came out everyone expected this huge babyface pop for Taz like every near uh, every star gets in TNA but he got no reaction it wasn't exactly clear if Sting let go of the hold for no reason or Taz powered him out of the hold Sting then delivered some moves that Joe would sell but then would pop up from the idea was that he was given inspiration by his mentor being there what kind of psychology is this? Sting, <laughs> Sting climbed to the top rope and Joe shook the ropes, so Sting crotched himself. The finish was supposed to be Joe doing the muscle buster, so Joe went to do it, but Sting wouldn't go up and they both collapsed. Then Joe went for a regular muscle buster, and again Sting wouldn't go up and they both fell down. Then Joe just put him in the choke and told Sting to tap out, which he did. The finish killed what, what had been at least a slightly better than average match, star and a half. On, on the what is the psychology, I, I was thinking that as well. Because... Joe's already really credible. Yeah. Doesn't need a motivational speaker, right? He, d- he doesn't need a Taz in his corner, yeah. no. But if the Taz is more like an Arn Anderson for Cody Rhodes, where he's coming out with, like, you do this, this, and this, like, right now, Joe just powers out purely through seeing his muse, Taz. Mm. But if Taz comes down to the ring, shows a bit more life, and... You know, he's calling stuff to him, tips, because Taz is an accomplished wrestler. He knows submissions and suplexes. And then Joe, that, Joe tries his advice to get out of the hold. And I mean, That's how you do that, right? I agree. And I mean this with all due respect. Taz waters down the main event mafia. Mm. Samoa Joe in the group slightly waters the group down. But Taz being there, this group of former world champions, I know he's an ECW champion, but he was also just, you know, in WWF, the hardcore champion and a commentator. Mm. Him, his presence really dilutes the group somewhat. You look at the Too many people as well for a faction. You look at that main event mafia shot at the end where everyone's celebrating, you're like, one of these things is not like (laughs) the other. Brian Alvarez would say, God, did this ever fall apart at the finish? Taz got in the ring afterwards and looked blocky. Nobody cared. Two and a quarter stars. Looked blocky. Yeah. It does look like a rectangle. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Larry has some things to say. Oh. He says here, Sting up top. What, what Larry does, Larry just recaps moves. But he says here, Sting up top again. Joe crotches him and Sting didn't want to go up for the muscle buster. Sandbag. Joe locks in the rear naked choke instead and Sting taps. They didn't even make a big deal out of it. Two and a half stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Flash, Furious Flashback gave this. They blew the finish big time. Joe did the same domination job he did on Sting when he lost the belt. I'm glad they've refocused the ideas behind the Joe heel run. Taking Taz as a mentor means he'll, he's all about using his body as a weapon again. Although the crowd didn't seem too concerned about the arrival of Taz, two and a quarter stars. See, while the uh, this was a bad finish because it was botched, it, it still, everything kind of went according to plan kayfabe-wise, you yeah. could argue. Sting wouldn't go up. So Joe choked him out. Yeah. Joe still looks strong. 
the finish of the tag match with Earl Hebner selling the beer and that James Storm thing we've just looked over. That's far worse. Far to me. worse. Far, far worse. And hilarious. We then get Mike Tanay throwing to a video package of TNA's newest signing. So I know that you have an exclusive announcement for us, which we want to give you the form to uh, to lay it on us. What do you have? Talk to us. I just I signed with TNA. I'm going to do some pro, um, pro wrestling again. So. That that that's what it is. That that's the big thing. That, uh, that's a big thing in your industry. It's a it's a big thing because because I am fighting in in, in my um my main drive and, and and all my focus has been with fighting and it still is. I try to tell people, you know, I, I left I left wrestling so abruptly a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and and the fans kind of threw their hands up, you know. I left, and and they're like, man, what about us? You know, why do you just leave? And I was at the top of my game, so. I've always wanted to come back to wrestling. I think Brock is doing all the right things, and Brock is a champion. And until somebody legitimately beats him as a champion, nobody can go out there and say that they can beat him. My sights are set on Brock. And I'm not saying that I want to fight him because he is the wrestling guy. I'm saying because I am a heavyweight fighter. Brock is a champion. I like to be a champion, so I'm watching everything Brock does. And eventually, I do want to fight Brock for that title. It's Bobby Lashley. It's Bobby Lashley. He's announced he's signed with TNA. But he does make sure to say that fighting is his main focus in MMA. Yeah. This, the, is, this, uh, is, a, this is essentially a side hustle, a bit of pocket money. And then they start putting over Lashley versus Lesnar. So what? Lashley had appeared on TNA at this point, And um, Brian had reported that he did that while not under contract. And he got a lot of people having a go at him being like, you're an idiot. There is no way that TNA would put him out there unless he was under contract. But he has, he has only just signed. So Brian has got a little bit of gloating to, to be done here. Uh, he said, we had the announcement of the signing of Bobby Lashley. Months back when Lashley appeared on pay-per-view and other TV tapings, I said, Jesus, these people are stupid for putting a guy on TV without a contract. And people insisted that TNA <laughs> couldn't possibly be that stupid. And he was certainly under contract. Where are those people now? So the announcer's signing at last and show a video package of him doing an interview on the radio where he talked about how he really wanted a match with Brock Lesnar. Hardly any mention of TNA and no mention of wanting to wrestle anyone there. And did I mention that Lashley was actually backstage at this show and he could have done this interview uh, live? Well, yeah, he was and he didn't. It was its such a bad media appearance <laughs> so... for, for what it's designed to do. Yeah. It's like an early, it's an early day podcast interview, really. You know, like on, if you were recording this on Zoom. But you, you get booked by the PR team. They're like, okay, you do this interview. And then you they log into it, but they're doing it on their phone. So the shot's really bad. Oh, but I don't, I don't mind about that. You know, it's 2009. It's ESPN Radio, I think. Uh, it's more like, you know, you go on those media appearances to get over a few key points. And none of them benefited TNA. Nope. Because this was all about Brock Lesnar. And he's wanting his match with Brock Lesnar in the octagon with Brock Lesnar. I want to fight Brock Lesnar. Anyone in TNA? I have no idea who's there. What's TNA? Oh, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Okay. Uh, John Cena? (laughs) Very solid atmosphere here backstage. Mick Foley obviously set to go out to fight for the World Heavyweight Championship tonight. And Mick, I got to be honest with you. Everything that the Main Event Mafia has set out to do tonight, they have successfully accomplished. And now, my friend, it all comes down to you and your match for the World Heavyweight Championship. It may just be that it's uh, the Mafia's night, right, JB? It appears that way. You ever seen Joe or Kevin, Booker or Scott look so dominant? 
No. I never have. I was down to the World Heavyweight Championship, and uh, I don't particularly match up well with Kurt Angle under most circumstances. Every other wrestler that I've ever set foot inside the ring, I can find something to exploit, some type of weakness. But ordinarily, Kurt Angle doesn't have those type of weaknesses. But JB, I've got two little things going for me. One is that at King of the Mountain, when I dropped an elbow on Kurt Angle, he was literally motionless for nearly a minute. So I know that if I dip into my offensive reservoir and I come up big and I untap a big elbow, the Kurt Angle's done. Also, JB, in the time-honored tradition after King of the Mountain, was I upset? Yeah. Do I like Kurt as a person? No. But do I respect him? Yes, I do. So I did the respectful thing. I opened the door to congratulate the new champion. You know what I saw, JB? So Kurt Angle, unable to move his left hand, being worked on by a physician, who was explaining to Kurt that the damage he did to his neck in 96 when he broke it has never clearly healed. And all those nerves, JB, they run down, they operate the hand, and the doctor said, barring some unforeseen circumstance, Kurt, you're gonna be okay in about six weeks. Well, welcome to your unforeseen circumstance. Now, JB, maybe people look at me and it doesn't click. Hey, that guy's a heck of a wrestler. But JB, this is one thing I know how to do as well as anyone. I know how to cause pain. I know how to exploit weaknesses in Kurt Angle. You're a weakened man, and I will exploit that. Call it wrestling, call it mayhem, but you will call me the next world heavyweight champion unless Kurt Angle finds a way to beat me. And Kurt, if you're going to beat me, you're going to have to beat me. Backstage, Jeremy Borash is with Mick Foley, who admits that maybe this is the main event Mafia's night. But... He doesn't match up to Kurt Angle, but he knows that at the King of the Mountain, when he hit that top rope elbow, he had Kurt down for a full minute. So if I can just do that again, I've got him. I've got him beat. And then he has this great promo where he's talking about Angle's weaknesses going into the Olympics and how I know you're a weak man and I know how I can exploit that. And if you're going to beat me, you're going to have to beat me. Mm. Well, I, my favorite part of it was... He speaks about when he was beaten for the championship. That was at Samaversary, right? The previous yeah. one. In the King he, of the Mountain. He's a, you know, he's he's a good man. He went backstage afterwards to congratulate Kurt and he walked in on the doctors and they said, your neck break in 1996 Olympics is never fully healed. And that's why you get this bad stuff down your left arm. Um, but don't worry, this this symptom should clear up in six weeks as long as there's no unforeseen circumstances. Well, welcome to your unforeseen circumstances, Kurt! So awesome. So good! Yeah. Unforeseen circumstances should have been the title of this pay-per-view. <laughs> and that is going to be our main event. It's Kurt Angle versus Mick Foley for the TNA Championship. Samoa Joe, we are all waiting for an answer. Why would you join the main event mafia? It was a masterpiece designed by the master himself, me. When Samoa Joe returned from the beating the main event mafia gave him a few months ago, he was an animal thirsty for blood. Samoa Joe's freaking insane. This nation of violence thing has just gone way too far. And we to sign Samoa Joe. But Samoa Joe's price tag was a little steep. And that is where Jenna came in. The last thing we need is for her to invest her millions in TNA. So what I want you to do is charm the pants off that 
You said you were the hottest thing ever to be in town. I love it. For the past few weeks, we had every member of the main event mafia taking a bullet for the greater of the family. My only purpose for being here is to torture the main event mafia. Joe going up the ladder. Angle follows him up. He just handed the belt to Kurt Angle. be me and you one-on-one -on -one for the world heavyweight championship in my contract it states that i have the right to pick my opponent not you when you want something from the main event mafia you have to give something back what is this we hear that you gave scott and booker a title shot with beer money at victory road in return you get a title shot with kurt angle we deserve that rematch but two of the greatest tag team, and the winner goes on to take on beer money at Victory Road. I like it. You committed the cardinal sin when you crossed the boss and went back on your word. You knew there would be consequences. You knew there would be a penance to be paid. This does not look good for Mick Foley. I know this is hard to watch, but this is some payback for when he went against Kurt Angle and he allowed Team 3D to get back in that title picture when he made an agreement. Oh, this is too much. Look at the barbed wire in the man's face. The dynasty of the main event mafia continues. You know that I may not have much, and I've made my share of mistakes. I tapped out Kurt, and it made me sick to my stomach, and I vowed I'd never feel that way again. If you can beat me, go ahead. If you're thinking about me tapping, it just won't happen. At Victory Road, we find out who the true TNA World Heavyweight Champion is. No main event mafia, no Mick Foley security. One on one. This is where we have Angle explaining that it was Jenna's millions mm. that got Samoa Joe into it. And he explains that the main event mafia all took a tax from Joe hiding in plain sight. You're shaking your head. It's just such. I hate those stories. Yeah. Yeah. They were beating us up on purpose. Mm. And I took those beatings because it was all for the greater good. I don't mind it as much. No, I hate it. Uh, and this is where we have, again, Foley wants that title shot, but he has to give something back. And that giving something back, apparently, is the main event mafia kicking the shit out of him with a barbed wire <laughs> bat. Uh, if you're thinking about making me tap, it just won't happen. Foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. So the tale of the tape, an emotional loss at King of the Mountain for Mick Foley. Foley fights for TNA's future. And he was a heel last month. Yeah. And uh, while Angle battles for mafia control and domination. Foley's flip-flopping whether he's fighting for TNA or against TNA or against TNA founder Jeff Jarrett, who's got the company's best interests, or maybe he doesn't. It really feels like those few months in the invasion angle where Kurt and Austin just mm. kept flipping. Now I'm on this side. Now I'm over this side. And it, yeah, yeah. it wasn't good. Kurt Angle was the mole all along, everyone. Mm. I like that they'd still do the big ring intros for main event matches yeah. with Borash in the middle of the ring uh, introducing everyone because WWE weren't doing that at the time and it really did set TNA apart from the, the competition. Uh, I also enjoyed Foley doing his wrestling at the start of this when he had to do a wrestling match with uh, Kurt Angle. Yeah. <laughs> Not a fan? Though, it? Nah, I, I didn't think it was very good. I mean, my first note is Andrew Thomas is refereeing. There's a distinct <laughs> lack of Rudy Charles on this show. <laughs> 
Foley goes into the steps to get some heat and he starts favoring his neck. I hate those step bumps that Foley does. Yeah. Uh, West believes the can angle is the greatest of all time. Mm -hmm. well, and then he misses a top rope moonsault, which yep. never hits, I don't think. No. I feel like Foley is really exposed that there's no multi-man element or any weapons. And the, a dead crowd doesn't yeah. help this much yeah. either because, like, you know, he misses the moonsault, gets no reaction. Foley hits the double-arm DDT and Angle kicks out, no reaction. It feels quite early on in the match as well mm. a lot of this is, is happening. Um, he gets Socko, but Angle shoves him into the referee and hits a low blow and an Angle slam for a near fall. He then decks the referee because the referee didn't count fast enough, <laughs> gets a chair, and Foley stops him with the mandible claw. We then get the, the Foley elbow drop, the one he was talking about in his pre-match promo, to the floor outside. And Angle isn't moving. Angle is done up or Angle is dead. I thought this was really good. So like Foley's dead lifting mm. him back up to throw him into the ring. I think it's a really good near fall. But he got zero reaction for the kick out. Well, the ref is also like selling that he's dead too because Kurt dropped the elbow on him. And then as soon as Foley gets Kurt in for the near fall... The referee just jumps up, jumps him, one, two, kick out, and oh, back to selling. Yeah. The referee, I, and I was always going to say this before I even knew that Rudy Charles was off the show, is abysmal on this show. Yeah. It's not great. Like, not the booking's bad of them, but I think the referee and performances are also terrible. Um, so you, we get the in the mandible claw and because he's doing a wrestling match he mm -hmm. locks in the body scissors that's mm. how big of a of thing this is but Angle gets out of that and transitions quite nicely into a, an ankle lock yep. Foley gets the ropes but Angle drags it back to the centre and grapevines it Foley taps flat finish flat reaction <laughs> and the main event mafia celebrate with all their belts this did not feel like a worthy world title contest no uh, it did not joint longest match on the show at 14 minutes is it really? Yeah, just had a look. 14 minutes for a main event. Yeah. Oof. I mean, I know like Dave was saying that earlier, like no matches really on the card could go for the, the 20 minute thing. Like they couldn't look at any card and be like, oh, that'll do the 20 minutes. Mm. I've also got to apologize as well. It turns out I didn't actually finish up my notes and I haven't got figure four's review of oh. this match. I've got Dave's review, but I haven't got the other ones. So I'm going to have to quickly load up the, uh, the observers. Well, so I'll just talk about me. the ending because the, the show goes off air with the main event mafia all in the ring with all their titles draped in gold. Uh, cool, cool, darkest timeline, worst case scenario. Thing. Three, three months into the story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the problem now. And I think as we're living through now with the elite and the Blackpool Combat Club and Judgment Day and Bloodline, faction storylines can be and have can have the most length and emotional depth and complexity of any that you can do in wrestling. Mm -hmm. But they have to be done right. <laughs> yeah. And this one really wasn't. Uh, so Dave Meltzer would say of the match, crowd was dead, but they did the best that they could. Two and a half stars. Mm. And uh, Brian Alvarez would say here... Um, Angle pounded on him from the guard and then put him in the ankle lock. Tanae said Foley needed to do this for everyone in TNA, for all the originals. He couldn't summon that energy and make it seem like he cared. Mm -hmm. Foley made the ropes, but Angle pulled him back in the middle of the ring and scissored the leg. I was hoping Foley would put the claw on himself and pass out. Instead, he took off the sock and tapped. I guess a tap doesn't work if you have a sock on your hand. I'll have to ask Dana White <laughs> that at the next pay-per-view. Two and a half stars. There it is. Yeah, let's see if I can find 411. 411. Victory Road, 2009, 2008, 2009. Um, 
So Larry gave this just for you know completion's sake. Mm -hmm. It's what people come to this show for. Can't leave him a link in the comments, can you? No. Uh, that's Jojo Sting. Uh, he gave it three stars. Wow. Yeah, three stars for that one. I mean, nothing went horribly wrong. No. And there was no bad finish and booking. So I guess from that perspective. I think three's a bit, bit yeah. high. Yeah. Uh, and the Furious Flashback said, uh, a bizarre match. Foley used his smarts to work a match against an injured Kurt Angle, but it was Angle who brought an even smarter game to take the win, using his wrestling skills to submit the brawler. Both guys were working with injuries and couldn't work the match they could if they were fit, but I enjoyed what they came up with. Shane TNA just couldn't put the title on someone who's fit. Last fit man to hold the belt was Samoa Joe, which is also the last time they had a great title match. I'm sick of people having to work with limitations in the main event. Three stars. Fit men. <laughs> Just want more fit Just men. Want more fit men. <laughs> yeah, overall, uh, a really fun pay per view to watch and talk about. But my God, is it bad. Awful show. Mm. But I very much enjoyed talking about yeah, it. Yeah. And, I, and I enjoyed watching it because it really was like every time a bad finish happened, it was almost like a <laughs> can't believe it's another one. But yeah, I was watching some of it in the office as well. And I'd often be like, oh my God, like a proper big reactions from me when, yeah. which I don't often do. They have to be really bad for me to groan out loud. And it does feel like it's every match yeah, yeah. has a finish. This you're like, oh my God. Right the from sheer the, volume of crap. Yeah, right from the get-go with the bad Tara yeah. love finish, the goofiness of the the taser, uh, the the messiness, the laziness of Team 3D mm -hmm. and the sort of like, just, you know, killing everyone. The tag match finish is bad. The Joe finish is hilariously silly. The angle finish is flat. AJ and Nash it just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And Jenna Maraska and Charmel. Not a good Historic. show. Not a good show, this. Mm. Uh, but still, let us know what you thought about it in the comments below. It is August next month. SummerSlam month-ish. Yeah, SummerSlam. Yeah, always SummerSlam. But hey, maybe we... Like I said earlier, if if you if you're interested in the idea of me and Luke choosing a show that's not based on a month of the year, or maybe you want to see what happens next in the main event mafia <laughs> storyline, if I can tease you, then of it's a uh, it's a nine match card next month. There's the Steel Asylum match. So what's the what's the show? It is uh, Hard Justice. Hard Justice. Um, you've got a Steel Asylum match between Alex Shelley, Amazing Red, Chris Saban, Consequences Creed, D'Angelo De Niro. My boy! Jay Lethal, Suicide, and Christopher Daniels. That'd be fun. You've got Abyss versus Jethro Holiday. Mm. Rob Terry versus Hernandez. Big boys. Yep. British Invasion versus Beer Money. Great. Cody Dina. And ODB versus the Beautiful People for the TNA Women's Knockout Championship. Wait, what? Yeah, it's a singles match. No, it's a singles title, but it's a tag team for the singles title. That makes sense. Joe versus Homicide for the X Division Championship. Cool. Which I bet you is good. Uh, Main Event Mafia versus Team 3D. Nash versus Foley for the Legends Championship. <gasps> That's the build where Foley puts himself through a table in the contract signing. And the uh, the main event is Sting versus Angle versus Matt Morgan for the TNA World Championship. Come on, Morgan. <laughs> I bet he wins it. Ding. Check the watch. <laughs> it's time. It's time. Maybe the hell of it doesn't arrive for that one. Mm. So, yeah, that's that's hard justice anyway. If, if we were to do the next one, I'm sure someone will, will nominate that. Mm -hmm. See how well it does in the votes. 
Um, but otherwise, yeah, there's plenty of summer times we've not done. Yeah. That's going to do it for this episode, though. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you next month. Uh, take care, everyone. Love you. Bye.